You might actually be the most derivative one of all. I mean, Christ, the same house. Maybe so. But you forgot the first rule of surviving a stab movie. Never answer the... I'm bored. Wait! Welcome back to Horror Queers. We're talking, what is a sex crime? Not getting any. We're talking, I can't decide what came out better. That little straw up Kelly's nose or that dildo you've got shoved up her ass. And we're talking, my mom would kill me if she knew I took the rover. And I'm Joe. And I'm Trace. And we're talking, my daughter does not get raped in Blue Bay. Oh my god, Sandra <laughs> Van Ryan. <laughs> I, okay, everyone, we are discussing Wild Things, a film that, it's not really horror, but I don't give a fuck, because both Joe and I love this movie, and we are we have so many things to talk about. <laughs> it's an erotic thriller, and erotic thrillers firmly fall under the umbrella of horror. It sure does, and you know what, though? Who could care? Because a movie that is this smart, <laughs> this tawdry, this fun, it's a five-star film for me, Joe. Mm-hmm. No, this film is so much fun. Obviously, content warning for a bunch of shit, because this movie is not PC, nor is it trying to be. Not at all. And, you know, we'll get into it later, but I'm just like, you know, could this movie get made today? No, and I feel absolutely like, not. I feel like the answer is no. False rape accusations are a big hard no. To be fair, wait, correct me if I'm wrong, there is no actual rape, be it off screen or on, in this movie. No, it's all a ruse. Spoiler alert, there's yeah. 15 different endings to this and everyone's in on it. <laughs> I was so, because I know some people hate this because of the credits and I... Oh, fuck that. I disagree so wholeheartedly. But anyway, so but so we know that we love this movie and this is a movie that you and I have seen many, many times before. But why don't we bring in some people who um I truly have no idea what they're going to think about this movie. Um, mm. <laughs> everyone, they are the hosts of People Under the Scares, a horror podcast for fiends of the dark, eerie and disturbed that sees the two of them review cult classics guilty pleasures and the beyond you may also remember one of them from our previous episode on krampus please welcome mike brown and bobby torres hello people hello all hey everybody <laughs> welcome to wild things y'all and a little birdie told me that you did not choose this movie but uh, that, well, my, a particular co-host of mine forced you to come on to this episode <laughs> Correct. It might have been a little calculating. <laughs> I thought, who are the queeniest bitches we've got on the schedule coming up, and what movie would they soar on? Hey, thank you. Now, Mike, so Bobby, I know you've seen this, but Mike, this is your first time seeing this movie, and I am dying to know, what were your thoughts? Okay, so first, I loved it, because yes. it was very entertaining. I, I, don't, I really don't care if a movie's great or not, as long as I'm entertained. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, that it gets a lot of points for that. I thought I knew where the movie was going at points, and then oh. it just completely <laughs> threw me off about halfway through, and it just continued to do so. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yep. so I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. So I'm glad. I'm glad you forced us. <laughs> <laughs> and Bobby, how about your revisit? How does this film hold up for you? Um. Yeah. The last time I see this was like years ago, and I believe it was like bits and pieces I seen. Uh, but now watching it in full and, you know, a 30-something-year-old lens now, it's very entertaining. And much like Mike said, it took me on a ride. I forgot a lot of things happened, and I forgot about that credit scene. Yes. So, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I will say that I live for Nev Campbell in this movie. Denise Richards, too, but something about Nev in this movie mm -hmm. that just I uh, love. 
Well, she's really playing against type, right? Like, I think that's one of the things that's fun about this movie is that she makes this after Scream 2 and you're just like, oh, this is a very different performance. There's no Sydney Prescott here. Right. Yes. I enjoyed seeing Sydney get punched in the face, though. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but she's the hero of the movie. <laughs> she is. Well, she's the mastermind. I would hesitate to call her the hero. <laughs> that, well, the, okay. To be fair, I don't think there's a single likable or like there's not a person in this movie who's a good person, except maybe, maybe Perez played by Daphne Ribbonvega. Yeah, and I I have dicey feelings about Detective Perez. I would say Jimmy, the idiot who maybe got with Susie on Stoner's Beach, is like, (laughs) he's so oblivious and stupid, he might be the only genuine character in here. But Ruby, Ruby's a good character. Right, yes. I mean, good in both senses. She's a good character and she's a good person. But um, yes, no, I, it's, there are some people that talk about how this movie cheats because it doesn't show you everything during the feature film. Oh, and I, to me, I'm like, no, that is the film like playing with filmmaking techniques and mm-hmm. keeping things from you. It's it's unlike My Bloody Valentine 3D, Joe, where they show you something and then tell you, oops, that didn't actually happen. Or I'm sorry, the worst offender of this trope, high tension. Your favorites, <laughs> yes. Oh, my. <laughs> I mean, one of the things that I like about the end credits, because, yeah, I've definitely seen a couple of reviews. I can't remember if it was Ebert who complained about the end credits and saying the movie is so overstuffed it actually needs to use the space of the credits to continue explaining itself. But... It's just, Mm-mm. yeah, like, this movie is fun, and if you don't get that sense of playfulness, then I don't think you're going to appreciate the end credits. Well, Mike, you, you said, though, you said you don't care if a movie's great or not, you just care if it's entertaining. So yes. I, I'm curious, because I think what some people will say about this is that this is lurid trash, and mm-hmm. it's so bad, <laughs> it's good. And I, I am actually inclined to disagree, but do, do you think that this is a quote-unquote bad movie? No, I wouldn't say it's bad, no. I think it's... I mean, I guess that depends on everyone's definition of a bad movie. Sure. But to me, it's not a bad movie at all. I can watch it. But then again, I watch Troll 2 and I know that's bad. So um, <laughs> I may not I mean, be the best judge, <laughs> the judge of character for movies. You don't. It's OK. You like what you like and you think what you what you think is good is good and blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. I'm just curious because I feel like I'm only on the defense because I feel like some people are like, oh, yeah, this is lurid, exploitative trash. Therefore, it is mm-hmm. not good, but it's entertaining. So that's OK. But I'm inclined to say, no, this is lurid, entertaining trash that is smart and knows what it's trying to do. Therefore, mm-hmm. it is good mm-hmm. and it's entertaining. <laughs> I agree. I can yeah. see that. I agree. I mean, if somebody describes something to me as lurid trash, you've only piqued my interest. I don't see where the problem lies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, okay. Well, let's talk about how this film came to be before we uh, go into the many, many plot threads in this film. So in 1998, uh, Wild Things sat at the point in which, at which three tendencies of the 80s and 90s intersected. We have the erotic thriller. We have the neo-noir and preposterous plot twists. (laughs) And it turns the dial up to 11 on all of them. So Wild Things unmasks the thriller plot as an arrangement of smoke and mirrors, a magician's sleight of hand to misdirect and sometimes even cheat the audience. Now, the film screenplay, which was originally titled Sex Crimes, a title retained in the French-speaking territories, by the way, was written by screenwriter Stephen Peters. And I, I didn't really find anything this man had done that was particularly notable but i guess at the time he was most known for uh writing the 1993 independent film dead center but i have never heard of this film 
Hmm. John McNaughton, who had garnered acclaim for the horror film Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, by the way, my first time realizing these two films shared a director, Mm -hmm. he became involved with the project as he was seeking to make a more mainstream feature, saying, and I quote, I was at a point in my career where I needed to do a commercial picture, and that was the... That was one of the key reasons I chose this film. I really liked the script, but it was also me asking myself, what sells? Sex and violence. You want sex and violence? Well, here you go. How much can you take? (laughs) What a quintessentially mid to late 90s attitude. (laughs) (laughs) The screenplay wasn't like fully there. Like, again, they liked all the the broad strokes, but uh, they didn't they didn't think that Peters was very good at, um, sorry, not that he wasn't very good, but they brought in Kim Num to do some rewrites on the script. And because none was stronger than, he was stronger on texture and character and place. So he just cleaned up his screenplay a bit, kind of like fine tuning it. Although, I mean, I guess you could argue that the film is, is still a little messy. <laughs> Yeah, but oh, actually, there was one thing that was changed from the original script of this film, but we will save that for later, or I will save that for later. Mm -hmm. Maybe something to do with the name of the podcast. Maybe a little bit. (laughs) Uh, Well, one half the name of the podcast, but yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, So when it comes to casting, again, not a ton of like details here, except for the role of Sam Lombardo. So the role played by Matt Dillon was originally supposed to be Robert Downey Jr., but. He was in the midst of some drug and alcohol Thanks. issues. Mm-hmm. They, but the funny thing was that they were kind of like, it's okay, we can still use him. The problem was the insurance money became too expensive. And right. the production company even offered to put up some of the money, but there was just too many lawyers and insurance people and bond company people involved, so they couldn't make it work. So they had to quote-unquote settle for Matt Dillon. It's interesting because when I heard that, I could definitely imagine Robert Downey Jr. doing this role. But I feel like Matt Dillon is actually a better choice because he's got that kind of carryover enthusiasm as like a kind of boy wonder, which I know Robert Downey Jr. also had. But I feel like at this point in their respective careers, like Matt Dillon can play the innocent dupe as well as the kind of conniving womanizer whereas mm-hmm. i think robert downey jr would have come in with maybe too much public baggage i could see that was i the only one who couldn't figure out if i was attracted to him or not this whole movie <laughs> uh, is it because he may or may not be a rapist so you're like am i attracted to this uh, well, maybe yeah, rapist that was part of the conflicted, <laughs> conflicted thoughts but i also was just like i just can't in my head i'm thinking of there's something about mary while i'm watching this mm-hmm, and seeing mm-hmm, him mm-hmm. so i couldn't yeah, figure it out it's weird. I feel like this is the because I'm gonna go when I think of Matt Dillon. I feel like I think of this movie the most. I don't know. Is there another like big famous Matt Dillon role for y'all besides uh, that's something about Mary? I mean, The Outsiders. I've never seen it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it took us back. <laughs> sure did. <laughs> Well, the other big male part in this film is, of course, Kevin Bacon, who executive produced the film. This is his first time delving into producing. So, Hmm. again, it's one of those things where I'm like, I wonder what about this made him want to not only act in it, but produce it. Um, I also like that he doesn't give himself the lead male role because it makes him seem very humble to me. Yeah. Uh, he had a no nudity clause in his contract, but um, without giving it much thought, uh, uh, he allowed McNaughton to use the infamous shot in the end of the film. <laughs> Nev Campbell also had a no nudity clause because while she was playing against type, she was still on Party of Five at the time. And so that's why we get a lot of Denise Richards titty in this movie um, and not Nev Campbell. However, 
<laughs> I watched the extra features of my Blu-ray of this because I got the um, the Arrow 4K set, and it's really funny because this is the only movie that Denise Richards has gone nude for. And about four months before this came out, Starship Troopers came out. And apparently Paul Verhoeven told her, hey, I really w- I wrote this nude scene for your character. I'd love for you to do it. And she was like, I don't really think my character would get naked in this scene, so I don't want to do that. So after this movie comes out, after Wild Things comes out, Paul Verhoeven calls up Denise Richards. <laughs> Sorry, Paul Verhoeven being the director of Starship Troopers. And he was like, oh, so you'll get naked for that movie, but not mine. <laughs> What's going on? And she was like, well, Paul, if you write a scene in which I believe my character would actually get naked, I'll do it. I just didn't feel like that in Starship Troopers. Good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, you know, we talked about Starship Troopers last year. Great film. Her character is not the person that you would expect to get naked in that. That's why we have Dina Meyer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I will say, I mean, I know we're talking about Neff Campbell here, but I do think Denise Richards is really good in this movie. Oh, yeah. She's great. The movie's production began on April 15th of 1997, and filming lasted until July of 1997. So it was about April, May, June, three-month shoot. They did actually shoot in the Everglades, which proved mm-hmm. a bit difficult. They had bad weather conditions. A tornado almost crushed a couple trailers. And apparently, one day on oh, set, God. a body washed up on shore while they were shooting on the beach. <laughs> Welcome back to Florida. <laughs> Florida, we love you, but you've got a bunch of shit that goes on in that state, and some of it is weird and comical. I don't think you can talk about Florida unless you've been in Florida. Have you been in Florida, Joe? Yes, I have gone to the Florida Everglades. <laughs> I don't know. Just hearing a, hearing about Florida is just enough for me. I'm good. <laughs> it's, I mean, yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. Reminds me of a former guest on the show, Adrian Rodriguez, for when all the shit was going dead with Texas. He was like, well, I would, you know, never die in Texas because I would never set foot in Texas. (laughs) I feel like maybe some people feel that way a little bit about Florida. Probably a little (laughs) bit. Uh, But we love all you Floridians that are out there. We do love you. Mm -hmm. We love the listeners, not always the political leadership. Yes. (laughs) So, Wild Things opened in the U.S. on March 20th, 1998, the week after what would normally be spring break, so I think that was a missed opportunity, but um, hmm. the, it, it opened against Mike Nichols's R, fellow R-rated film, Primary Colors. Again, go back and listen to our previous episode on Wolf for more thoughts on Mike Nichols. Uh, the other film it opened against was the PG-13 Jackie Chan action movie, Mr. Nice Guy. None of these films took the top spot, though, because Titanic was in its, it's only in its 14th week of release. <laughs> yeah. And still was in the number one spot with $17 million. Number two went to Primary Colors with $12 million. Third place was taken by Man and the Iron Mask, um, because we're still on that Leonardo DiCaprio kick. Oh, my God. Right. And so that left Wild Things in fourth place with a $9.6 million debut on a budget of $20 million, by the way. So I was there opening weekend, just saying. I, I contributed to that I gross. I was nine years old when this came out, so I definitely did not see this in theaters. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this was like a regular rerun on um, like FX or TNT. Or something. I watched this on TV a lot when I was in like my middle school, high school years. Yeah, I agree. Like I used to see it on tv a lot like tnt or one of those type of channels but they're gonna edit it like they're gonna yeah. get rid of oh, all yeah. of the crude language you're not gonna see any titties you're probably not gonna see dong it's like well what's the point then <laughs> but but that being said though i want because again you know when they do when they show movies especially already movies on tv so much like that it's because they're like easier to edit and honestly this mm-hmm. film it's mostly the language it's easy to like 
fade out of the threesome scene and obviously sure. the, the 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 pool scene that we see is much longer in the unrated cut so we're watching the theatrical cut on tv so i wonder if it's just a matter of like oh yeah if it's mostly language that is getting this movie it's our rating easy that's easy to show on tv as much as we can i think i did see the pool scene so that's why i thought i saw this movie before. Oh. <laughs> possibly the thought that they were gonna scissor made me turn it off oh oh my god <laughs> No! That like, makes how, me want to see we, it. How did we get here? Oh, God. <laughs> Party of five, no! If you're just walking out of this movie and you walk out of that scene, it's very much like, what the fuck? What in the straight, loving fuck movie am I watching here? Oh, my God. This is just telling me that you folks do not watch enough erotic thrillers because, like, lesbian makeouts, staple of the subgenre. But it, but I feel like the lesbian makeouts and beyond are very much made by men and geared towards men. Yes, but also, who do you think is the audience for this film? Well, no, for, well gay men, obviously. <laughs> no, it's just the gay men who have rescued this movie. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, because straight men, they go see it, they whack it out, and they're done with it. They forget about it the next day. I thought a lot of times in this movie, like, especially the pool scene, even the threesome, like, I thought of, like, cinematic softcore mm -hmm. porn a lot. Yep. Especially Absolutely. with the music. I'm like, yeah. wait, I don't remember any of this. What's going on? Okay. The score sorry, the score is wild. You know, we have the Yes. <laughs> but but then we have like 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 The Gator Chic. Yes. Okay, so here's the thing. So there was an instrument. It's the the I can't yeah. do it because it's a bit basically this is an instrument that is only used in this type of swamp music. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I was trying to figure out what it was because it plays over a porn scene that I used to masturbate to all the time in college and so literally whenever i hear this particular instrument i have flashbacks to this porn scene and i learned by the way <laughs> the instrument is called a guiro um it is hmm. uh, a little like big like cylindrical thing with ridges on it that you just like run a drumstick up and down <laughs> uh, okay mm -hmm. <laughs> anyway not related but i just thought it was weird that wild things happens to have music from my favorite gay porno so anyway yeah describe this porn and can uh, you share it is called the intern and it stars <laughs> a really big monster cocked guy named ben andrews oh. as a guy who gets a, an internship at a porn studio wait is this straight porn no 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 it's it's gay porn it's gay porn. Okay. <gasps> but basically like, there's, there's a whole scene where the assistant of the boss like accidentally spills coffee on him and he's like oh my god let me come like dry it off for you and while doing so, he sees his enormous cock, and then they fuck in, like, the, the cleaning room <laughs> yes. to, to this kind of music. <laughs> well, Does he call it the gator? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we can call it the gator. I live. Anyway, everyone, go look up the intern Ben Andrews. Maybe it's Ben Anderson. I think it's Ben Andrews. <laughs> anyway. So Wild Things goes on to gross $30.1 in the United States and Canada and $37.1 internationally for a worldwide total of $67.2 Again, against that $20 million budget. I do think it made its money back in home video rentals, though, because this does seem oh, like sure, a movie that a lot of people would have rented on home video to uh, in the secrecy of their own home. Which is how erotic thrillers thrive, man. They were created literally for video rental markets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Critics mostly positive. We got a 63% on Rotten Tomatoes with an average score of 5.8 out of 10. Metacritics a 52 out of 100. Letterbox users have given it a 6.2 out of 10. And audiences pulled by CinemaScore gave the film a C plus. Which, how, how could you not walk out of this movie feeling so happy? I don't, I don't get it. 
What about audiences from Cinemax? What did they rate it? <laughs> they stayed at home watching Cinemax. <laughs> the answer that is incorrect. The answer we were looking for is four out of five gators. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's really all I have, except to note that there are three sequels to this film, all direct to video. Um, mm -hmm. 2004's Wild Things 2. 2005's Wild Things Diamonds in the Rough, and mm. 2010's Wild Things Foursome. <laughs> yep. Wow. Okay, who were... I need to see who's in these movies. Oh, they're so bad. Like, have you seen them all, Joe? Bad. I have seen two. Okay, so apparently the sequels recycle most of the plot from the first film, yep. uh, including dialogue and direction, albeit with different actors, and all three films still take place in Blue Bay, as well as its high school... And the Blue Bay Police Department. <laughs> yeah, it really, if anyone has seen the Cruel Intentions made for TV movie, which was meant to be a backdoor pilot for Amy Adams, <laughs> uh, it's similar to that. <laughs> but yeah, so that's really it. Um, I actually do want to watch these sequels just to see how bad they are. But they're honestly, they're just boring because they don't have the outlandishness of this movie yeah 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 well all right well let's talk about how outlandish this movie is <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh i can't re remember if we talked about it off the top this is the 25th anniversary of this Ooh. film this week but also we're talking about the extended cut so there may be a couple of scenes in here that you're like wait i didn't see that it's mostly worth seeking out this extended yeah. uh unrated cut because there is extra juicy stuff in here it does fuck with the pacing though i disagree but here's the thing though but when you hear extended cut of wild things unrated cut of wild things you're like okay cool there's gonna be like more nudity and stuff and while the pool scene is extended mm -hmm. most of the extra stuff is here is legitimately story-based and yeah We'll talk about it when we get to them. But I actually, I, it didn't kill the pacing for me. I actually still really enjoyed it. But that, I thought I had seen this unrated cut before. And I clearly have not. Because there is a scene at the end of this movie that has, that reveals something that mm -hmm. I, that completely changed the film for me. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into it. So we open with sweeping views of the glades, and then this transitions. It's like a lot of helicopter stuff as we move inland, and we eventually end up at the school. And the film opens with the point of view from Blue Bay guidance counselor Sam Lombardo, played by Matt Dillon, as he is walking to an assembly. And I would just like to shout out that I used to go to drunken cinema screenings here in toronto they still do them but i don't go uh, very often but um i got a drinking card if folks uh play along with the audio commentary for our valentine's episode mm -hmm. on the patreon you'll hear us reference cards and it's uh from that event that i used to do this but the card that i drew for <laughs> this movie was i had to take a shot every time the word sam lombardo was oh said. my god <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and I died. I have never failed so spectacularly at a drinking him. I think I got about 35 minutes in and then I had to stop. <laughs> so uh, Serena Whitney, good job on that card because that nearly killed me. 
Um, I think we should also point out, though, to give you an idea of the tone of this movie, the very first lines that we hear are just Denise Richards yelling fuck off to some guy. Yeah, so we're we're sitting down for an assembly that is all about sex crimes. So we're introducing Detectives Ray Duquette, played by Kevin Bacon, as well as Detective Gloria Perez, played by Daphne Ruben Vega. And yeah, like everybody's filing into this auditorium. This kid, Jimmy, tries to sit down next to uh, Denise Richards, who is Kelly Van Ryan. And she just looks at him and goes, fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) It should also be noted that every female student that interacts with Matt Dillon also gives him like fuck eyes. So he's very popular on campus. And all of these female students want to jump on that. Well, that. That's the other thing. So, Mike, when you were saying, were you spending time thinking if you should, if you were attracted to him or not? It's not just that he might be a rapist. He is 100% a statutory rapist. Yeah, he's he's getting down on this campus, for sure. (laughs) So, we're here to talk about sex crimes, and as soon as Ray Duquette gets introduced, Susie Toller, who is played by Nev Campbell immediately walks out this is the first of the extended cutscenes. we transition outside and we learn that ray is actually the one who busted Susie for drug possession and she serves six months on a first offense which is really severe yeah so do you think that this is okay to have this in here because this this immediately clues you in that Susie might have motive to hurt duquette i mean my dumbass didn't pick up on it, so <laughs> that just went right over my head. I mean, Susie is introduced like Nev Campbell is decked out in classic '90s. Ooh, she's an outcast. She's trouble. Like she's got kind of like chunky Gale hair from Scream Two, but mm-hmm. she's dressed like she could be one of the one of the girls from uh, The Craft or something like that, right? Yeah, just not the one she played, but yes. But like Stokely. Yeah. From, uh, the <laughs> Stokely, yes, there you go. <laughs> there we go. That's a better comparison. Thank you. Mm-hmm. But, well, but I think, too, though, because there is a gentle class critique in this film, and mm-hmm. the film 100% plays on your expectations of what kind of person Susie is. You look mm-hmm. at her, you're like, okay, that's white trash. She is less intelligent. She's not very good good she's very smart blah 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 and the movie uses that those expectations to its advantage 100 percent. so the cops end up walking off after bidding mr lombardo goodbye and they're immediately aware of his reputation i think they literally say the word pussy hound yep (laughs) and detective perez comments that he is cute and she would do him I think she already did. They have sexual tension, and there's a scene later in the extended cut that suggests they would have been DTF, except for the fact that he gets called away. I don't know. I think maybe it's maybe it's that she actually wants to fuck him, but she won't because she's a good cop. Hmm. I, think that's <laughs> what it is. I got those vibes. <laughs> One more day, it would have happened. So it's my last day before retirement, and then I can finally fuck Sam Lombardo. Take a there shot. You go. <laughs> It's my last week on the job. I, I'm so tired of this shit. All I want to do is fuck Sam Lombardo. <laughs> so in case you don't know what kind of town Blue Bay is, uh, Sam Lombardo teaches a sailing class to white students. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. We don't only know if it's white students, although I'm pretty sure only white students go to Do school. Do you see a black student anywhere? That's the casting department's fault, sweetie. No, I think that's your class critique, Trace. 
because he's spending a bunch of time talking about how he's kind of a salt of the earth guy right yeah. like he claims that he paid his way through college giving sailing lessons and he's telling this to jimmy who was played by cory pendergast and he he wants to be on the same level right like jimmy aspires to be a mr lombardo who worked his way up and look at the plum position he has now and he's drowning in pussy at this campus i need to see everyone else there i need to see why he is like the the focal point for every everyone's pussy apparently well <laughs> I mean, it's interesting because in the beginning of this film, I don't think he comes across like a pussy hound. So it's it's <laughs> funny to hear all these people talk shit about him when he's like, but he seems like a really nice stand up guy. Oh my God, Trace, did you miss the introductory POV? <laughs> I mean, sure, but like he seems nice. <laughs> Trace, they be the ones you got to watch out. So shout out to my friend in high school, but everybody used to call him the pussy bandit because... Oh, fuck. Oh, <laughs> because literally like he is a nice guy i'm still friends with mm -hmm. him to this day but like that's how they do it that's how they get the pussy is they come off like nice guys exactly and they're fucking everybody in the whole school i don't know i mean like, it's, it's like when they like what, what is the pussy posse that leonardo dicaprio had with like his like crew of men mm -hmm. and i'm like i judge them for that but then i'm like okay but like there are so many gay men that are just as bad if not worse when it comes to cock hounding like oh yeah i can't disagree with that i know like i, <laughs> I want to judge these straight men who just are the pussy hounds I'm like okay but like literally almost 80 percent of the gay people that i know are cock hounds so i don't even know I mean, I think it's important to note we're going to talk about sex a lot and the yeah. way that people weaponize it in this movie. I think that this movie is kind of refreshingly candid about not slut shaming people after we dispense with the false rape stuff. Mm -hmm. Yes, I'm inclined to agree. I mean, I, I, look, I, I know that this movie is known for its threesome stuff, but honestly, mm -hmm. I think that the threesome stuff is very progressive in this film. <laughs> We'll talk about it when we get to the scene proper, mm. because it it's a little icky the way it's framed, but I think that's also part of the territory for an erotic thriller. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of one of one of the women who will engage in that threesome is Kelly. So she drops a hint that she plans to wash Mr. Lombardo's Jeep as part of a charity <laughs> drive that weekend. And then she says, oh, also, my drunk promiscuous mother is not available to pick me up. Can you drive me home? So uh, <laughs> I think one of the reasons we have questions about Mr. Lombardo is because he sees the red flag of a teenage girl being like, hey, can you drive me home in private? So he asked Jimmy to come along and they even stop briefly to ask Susie if she would like a ride because her car isn't working because, yes, she's poor white trash. Apparently, though, the book she is reading is meant to imply that she's much smarter than people give her credit for. Oh, I, I have a whole thing ready to okay. go. <laughs> but in case you didn't know how Kelly and Susie get along, we do have the line where Kelly goes, where'd you get those shoes? Horse for less. <laughs> <laughs> that was so corny, though. I, it's Jesus. not the best burn this movie has. <laughs> no. <laughs> but it's because they're really they're secretly in love yeah oh yeah so at kelly's palatial home they are greeted by her mother sandra van ryan who is played by the one and lonely Teresa russell she is introduced coming out onto the balcony in nothing but a swimsuit and making very broad very obvious sexual overtures towards sam i got my life i love her 
Yeah, she's amazing. <laughs> this movie needed more of this character. I mean, I, she's very over the top, but like, I just love she. I just love how self centered she is. <laughs> <laughs> the introduction to me is really interesting because uh this is maybe a bit of a reach but it's actually very similar to the way that barbara stanwick's character who is like a huge femme fatale is introduced in double indemnity so she literally comes out onto a balcony and she's dressed just in a towel and it's like that is the first time we see her and it's I think very much a play on how women can use their sexuality to their advantage should they choose to. But I even like, cause I, I, tr I don't think the cinematography is particularly memorable in this movie. Like there are a lot of shots where I'm like, Oh, that's really cool. However, I do love the shot when both Sandra and Kelly walk back into the house mm -hmm. and it's just like one in one door up above the other. And so it positions Kelly as less than uh, Sandra, yeah. which is what Kelly's trying to fight against his entire well, for the whole time she's in this movie. Oh, that's funny. I read that as like mother, like daughter. Yeah. <laughs> so that weekend, we, we get some footage of Mr. Lombardo out on his like propeller aircraft in the glades because, you know, this is what we do. Does he? Yeah, he's like, I'm going out to the glades. I'm like, hey, cool. You're going to like fish, I guess. He just drives around on his boat. Sure. It looks like a good time. These people are nuts. There are alligators and snakes everywhere. <laughs> I don't <laughs> I think he almost, he like touches, I, I, honestly, biggest surprise of this movie, no one gets killed by an alligator or a crocodile. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, we're meant to believe that they feed Susie's body to the gators. Well, yeah, but we know that doesn't happen. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> we know everything that doesn't doesn't happen in hindsight. You know, no, you know what should have happened. Sandra's boyfriend, deckhand, that like beats up uh, uh, Sam in the water. He should have gotten mm -hmm. killed by a crocodile like right then and there. There we go. So that weekend, Kelly and her friend Nicole, who is played by Toy Savane, arrive at Sam's house, and they're there to wash his very dirty-looking Jeep. But what they see is him kissing goodbye to his lover, Barbara Baxter, who is played by Jennifer Taylor. And she is decked out in tennis white, so clearly she's an uppity first-class bitch. Yeah. <laughs> what a name, too, right? Barbara Baxter. She's either a superhero or she's a pureblood. <laughs> <laughs> so uh yes after she leaves we get this montage that's basically a wet t-shirt contest between the two girls they get very wet and they're wearing very white clothes so this is very much a who is the film for anyone who appreciates the female body i'm it I like watching these kind of scenes. I know I'm, I'm not mm -hmm. I'm not sexually attracted to the female figure, but like I just love. I don't know. I just like watching eroticism, like be, be it male or female, in these kind of movies. Okay, so I had some conflicted moments within myself because <laughs> the way mm. Denise Richards kept looking at him and saying his name was like, I don't trust her. All right, yeah. But then with the following scene, I'm like, oh god. So now mm. I'm like, okay. Did it happen? Did it not happen? But, I don't know. But, that, but that's what I think is so fascinating, though, because this character is all over Sam Lombardo for the entire first act of this movie. And then the rape happens, which, of course, is intentionally kept off screen. I'm sorry, the rape, quote unquote, happens, which is intentionally, quote, uh, happening off screen. But I love that it's playing with, I guess, the audience's expectations or, or, or predispositions about rape. Mm -hmm. Because you're watching, and you're like, well, she's she's literally asking for it. And then she comes out saying she's raped. So it's like, okay, well, 
I mean, obviously it's still rape. He's still in the wrong here if it actually happened. But I love that the movie's kind of walking this tightrope of, ooh, who's in the wrong in this rape scenario? Yeah, and I guess that's a better way to play it than her coming off, I guess. I guess, oh God, not completely innocent. I can't think of the right phrase, but... Naive? Yeah, in the sense that it would, I would immediately think he did it versus me thinking, okay, right. did this happen or not happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we don't actually see any kind of physical attack, we just see the aftermath after a fade to black, you can make up your mind, but you're very much led to believe that something bad happened in his house. But I wonder what percentage of the audience, though, is like... Pfft. Well, she was asking for it. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, that that's why we have various characters who literally comment on it. Like, it's kind of one of the issues that I have with the Detective Perez character is that she not only doesn't believe Kelly after her interview, but she, like, she's this sole woman of color in this movie. So she's, I don't know. I have a lot of conflicting emotions about the character who is both the most intelligent, but also, like, a woman who doesn't believe other women when they say that they were raped. Okay, wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. I thought this might have been your issue with this character, too. Because when I was watching this, I was like, how strategic to have the person that doesn't believe the rape survivor Mm -hmm. be a woman in this film. Yes. But isn't it muddy by the fact that she's right? Right. Well, yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's also why I thought she slept with him already, because of her reaction. Mm. Ooh. Okay, see, I like that, Mike, because if you read this as she's already fucked him... Ooh, okay, yeah, that that complicates it. I'm going to choose not to believe that, but... (laughs) (laughs) And also, I just like to say, I knew I was gay, because the moment Denise Richards walks into his house soaking wet, I'm like, who is cleaning the floor? Please get out of here. (laughs) That's exactly (laughs) what he texts me, and I'm just like, what? That's what you're concerned about? I not even focus on what was happening. (laughs) My gosh, Mike. The camera literally, like, tracks up her young, underage body, (laughs) dripping wet in white clothes, and Mike's like, well, that floor just getting <laughs> that fucking music <laughs> oh boy yeah so just in case you were like we didn't even get to see what happened we do immediately cut to another sex scene so oh. we'll see sandra getting very vigorously fucked by one frankie condo <laughs> okay wait, wait wait no she is like getting vigorously fucked she is vigorously fucking because he is just lying there <laughs> yeah I mean, yeah, he's he's the bottom with a dick in this scenario, right? <laughs> Her, she's so loud. Yeah, so this guy is played by Eduardo Yanez, and I, <laughs> I just love how much she's, like, into it. And then the phone call rings, and she's like, well, I gotta get the phone. <laughs> <laughs> so she discovers that Kelly missed class, so she ends up calling Sam Lombardo, the guidance counselor <laughs> yeah. at school, and he's having this banter with... Uh, I believe he's the principal. That's what I call him, Art. Yeah. He was played by Dennis Neal. And even the relationship that Sam has with Art is one wherein Art is like, well, you're just fucking all these women at the tennis club. Like, that is his reputation, is that he chases anything in a skirt. But he looks so nice. (laughs) Oh, my God, Trace. (laughs) Trace is like, I don't understand. How did all these, like white yuppies like keep getting accused of rape and murder they all seem so clean cut and nice <laughs> it just seems so fine to me 
Paul Bernardo. I don't understand. He had that nice wife, <laughs> Carla Homolka. I don't understand. Also, even though a rape didn't take place in this, I'm not convinced he hasn't done something at some point in his life, just based on how his character is. My thoughts on, on Sam in this early stage of the film is that he will fuck his way to the top. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. So uh, after making more overtures to Sam, she ends up discovering that Kelly is actually out in the yard shooting skeet because, again, rich people. Is that what that's called? Skeet? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Would you prefer it to be called shooting scat? No. <laughs> I just never knew that's what that phrase was or term was. Yeah, me too. I mean, because of what? Why would any of us need to, right? It's not like we're out there doing it all the weekends. I was watching this. I was like, I sure wish I can do that when I'm angry or upset. <laughs> right? It does look a little cathartic. Very yeah. much so. I mean, I, has anyone in here ever actually shot a gun before? Like, even at, like, a firing range? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wait, I'm sorry. Who said yes? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I said no. Actually, I believe Michael said yes. I actually got to... I was on a date at the firing range. What? Oh, with another man, or were you still closeted yes, at this he, time? He took me. He he took me there. Um, he went in his <laughs> trunk. He brought his weapon oh out, my... and then we went inside. Wait, Mike, are you just right, wait, 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 right now? Right, because I because this is what I'm hearing. He took me. He, yeah, his yes. weapon out. <laughs> he took me to the firing range. It looked like a bedroom, and then he shot blanks at me. No, he whipped out his gun, and then I was like, "Oh my god, fuck me." <laughs> He called it the Gator, and we had a great time. Buff. And we replenished the ammunition after shots were... Um, I can't. Never mind. <laughs> uh <-huh. You're> just... <laughs> oh, my God. Just Not as digging. funny. I will say, whenever I see this scene, though, it immediately makes me think of her talking about the Lutheran Sister Gun Club and Drop Dead Gorgeous. A hundred percent. first. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, Sandra ends up asking kelly you know hey why did you skip and kelly just starts tearing up she mentions her dead father who we learn has died by suicide and sandra's just like well he didn't have to go and kill himself okay wait I'm, I, I, <laughs> I love like so watching Teresa russell during this so she says i miss dad and she, she goes oh, jesus and she then, her eyes. And mother then she's of like, the year but then she says she, she tries to like touch her hair and she's like well i miss him too sometimes <laughs> no you don't well he didn't have to go and kill himself kelly <laughs> oh my god blaming someone for dying by suicide this woman is the fucking worst it's oh but she's also the best <laughs> oh yeah i mean she's a hissably bad character which makes her delightful to watch yes She's a mood. I love it. Sidebar, if you want to see a legitimately <laughs> great performance from her, she plays a female serial killer in a great movie from the 80s called Black Widow. Ooh. Mm -hmm. See, that, mm -hmm. so again, because I know that she is known for things, at least at the time when this came out. So, you know, it's like, oh, we got Teresa Russell, we got Teresa Russell. I looked at her filmography and I have never heard of most of the films she has been in, which makes me feel terrible because I feel like I should know some of these films that she's been in. She was big in the day, but it would have been before you were sort of actively watching a lot of movies. Like, she was big in the 80s. Yeah. So she tries to console Kelly also by offering her a Valium. Of course, that's what rich people do. Right, yeah. And then this is when Kelly whispers that she was raped. By okay. Sam Lombardo. <laughs> I. 
Wait, I should have left at that point. <laughs> no, because the, the mom just goes, Sam Lombardo? Because she's like, why didn't he rape me? <laughs> she's like, but he could have been diddling me like he used to. Why is he after my teenage daughter? But then we smash cut to the police interrogation and she is just like, my daughter does not get raped in Blue Bay. How could that man do this to me? Yeah. How could that man do this to me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, her teenage rape survivor daughter is literally in the room. It's, it's... Like, oh my God, woman. But, okay, but the, hey, so here's the thing. This is meant to be funny and it is mm-hmm. very funny. And this is the aspect of it though where I'm like, this couldn't get made today. And I kind of lament that fact. I'm not saying I want to laugh at rape at all, but I'm just saying in the scenarios like this, I feel like would be judged so harshly today, and I just don't feel like they should. Yeah, I mean, it came off a little camp, so yes. I, I think mm-hmm. it's supposed to be that way. But of course, you know, people would read that differently. Um, so it would be a specific type of person who would watch it now. Yeah, you you've got to be able to read this film's wavelength. This film is definitely campy. It is going for broad comedy. It is out to offend you like i could see john water celebrating this movie oh yes a hundred percent yes <laughs> i actually thought about home while watching this which is it's funny you said that yeah it, it like i could actually see swapping in john waters instead of bill murray in this movie mm. very <gasps> oh my god you know i want that movie <laughs> <laughs> So, yes, we're at the police station and Perez and Duquette are interviewing Kelly on camera. Tracy mentioned it's not particularly showy, but I do like how we transition from the in-room interrogation to the tape of the interrogation or the interview. Mm -hmm. And then we're actually watching the tape in another room. And it's like, that's a bit showy. Didn't need to do that. Yeah, no, that's true. I I guess I mean, just in the way like the shots are composed, because that's a transition, not a shot. But yes, I, Mm -hmm. I agree with you. Yes. Yeah. So we finish the interview with the very damning line that apparently Sam Lombardo will say to all of the people that he assaults, <laughs> which is that no little girl can ever make me come. Okay, so y'all, I, as as horny and sexual as I am, it still makes me like, I get like a little shiver, like a little ooh, whenever the, like, the phrase like come is uttered in a regular non-pornographic film. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't know why it just i'm just kind of like oh this is naughty i'm kind of with you on that and listen a lot of people don't think of me to be that type of way but i like to say myself i am a sexual person i'm just kind of a little bit more quiet <laughs> about it i am <laughs> can you believe it but i'm a little bit more quiet about it sometimes until mike drag it out of me on the podcast <laughs> but um <laughs> wait he drags the come out of you on the podcast <laughs> oh my god no <laughs> wait bobby has mike ever taken you to the gun range yes or no i'm dead okay wait i want to finish your statement because i'm dying to know what this is because i i i am not i i also yeah would not have pegged you for a very sexual person based on your public persona bobby how dare you wouldn't peg him (laughs) joe stop i'm sorry i'm sorry but no, like, I don't really talk about it online and stuff like that. But every now and then, like, I I speak to Mike about it or in our little group chat and stuff. But um, same here, Trace. Like, I when they would say it, I just be like, oh, okay. Even though it is bad what they're, mm-hmm. you know, talking about. But I'm just like, when I hear certain words, it kind of, it turns me on just a little bit. But y- you know what, though, is, <laughs> is because most people, I feel like, spell cum, C-U-M. 
but mm-hmm. I really hate it when people spell come as in like ejaculation or, or orgasming. C O M E. It just feels Ooh. wrong to me. And I feel like this script would have used the C U M because it's the proper way to put it. Right. Who does what that? What a bizarre observation to make. Uh, because if you're reading literature and they use the word come, it is always spelled C O M E. Mm. Oh. Yeah. Even when I put on like closed captions on certain movies, they spell it C O M E. Right? <laughs> This is the divide between high and low culture, right? And it's like, if you're talking about cum, you're getting down into the depths of nasty depravity and just embrace it, right? Like, that's one of the things that we like about this movie is that it is lurid trash, but it knows it. So it's going to drop lines like this, which are blatantly offensive and crude. And that's part of the charm. But that's why when people spell it C-O-M-E, I'm like, okay, you're not classying up your script or your novel by spelling it C-O-M-E. <laughs> this cum is blue blood. It is highbrow. <laughs> so as soon as Kelly is gone, uh, this is when Perez questions the authenticity of her testimony. And Ray more or less drops a Chinatown line on her and is like, uh... It's Blue Bay. You can't do anything to the Van Ryans. They have all the power. Drop it. Okay, wait. Do do you want to talk about Perez now, or is there more stuff she does later that you're bothered by? I just think she's a bit of a confusingly written character. Like, when you first see this film and you see this moment, Kelly is basically barely out the door before she's like i don't believe her and again like (laughs) i'd actually be very interested to hear from our listeners of color and you know bobby and mike i'm not going to put you on uh, (laughs) i'm not going to put you on the spot and be like speak speak for all people of color right now (laughs) well i I do think it's interesting that they gave this woman of color the sort of naysayer doubter role and it could be part of that class critique where she's a bit of an outsider in this predominantly white very high class society like she's a detective so she's probably pulling in a decent salary but she's not fucking rich like the van ryans so i don't know if that's her sort of grading against the class and the privilege Hmm. of saying well this is an uppity white bitch it just it feels so quick where she's like well i just don't trust that girl and it's like a woman not believing another woman about a sexual assault i think that's what it was i think I don't know if it's intentional, but I think it maybe hits a little differently if a woman herself mm-hmm. doesn't believe that this happened versus men, I would assume typically are immediately because I'm low key. They probably have done something similar. But but that's honestly, that's what kind of made it subversive to me. And I said strategic earlier, and I think it is still strategic to have the female character not believe the female mm-hmm. rape survivor. But it's interesting that you bring up her, her color because I, it's so funny. I didn't even think about her being a woman of color. I don't see color. Um, oh, my God, Trace. I know. Oh. <laughs> no, she was but, in In the Heights. Yes, exactly. <laughs> she was. She no. was. That's a great movie, but I understand the complaints. Um, no, but, but because I was so focused on her being the female character who was not right. believing the female rape survivor. I didn't even think about her color playing into that. Maybe that's because I'm white. But mm-hmm. how would this scene have played if it was Duquette who didn't believe Kelly and Perez who believed her? Kind of typical. Yeah. I, I think it would be more typical. You're right. And, and, and I'm not saying that, that that discredits your opinion on Perez, by the way. I'm just saying that I, to me, that would have been, that would have made the film less subversive for me. 
I mean, mm-hmm. but I also got to like being as though that she is a woman, like, and maybe she done this maybe a few, like, well, I'm sure more than a few times. Mm-hmm. She's probably right. able to read people, and she probably yeah. sensed about mm-hmm. a way that that was bullshit based on her. I'm not gonna say performance, even though it was a performance. But it was a performance. But it was. <laughs> but like the way she was just acting, I'm not saying she was supposed to be dramatic, but she's just sitting there looking at her like maybe all all the victims, and she's kind of a little bit more like. I don't know. Like, believable. it just doesn't seem believable. believable. So right. I took it that way. I will say too. So, and there's a, there's a article included in the booklet that comes with this arrow 4k set. It's called let's twist again, sex murder and the late 20th century Hollywood thriller by Ann Bilson. But she goes on to talk about how the bad acting quote unquote in this movie, some of it is intentional and oh, it, okay. specifically this performance that Denise Richards gives, because it is mm-hmm. kind of over the top and melodramatic, because she's a she's a she's a girl lying she's lying yeah, <laughs> she's right. not an actress in the movie <laughs> yeah i i see that more in her quote-unquote performance on the stand where i yeah. may have wrote oh, crocodile yes. tears in my notes mm-hmm. but i do think you raise a really interesting point bobby that i'll admit i hadn't considered is that perez literally works in a sex crimes mm-hmm. Like, that is her role, along with Duquette. So you're right that it would make sense that she would be able to see through kind of fabrications. Yeah, like, she's seen mm-hmm. real trauma. Mm-hmm. She's probably experienced, or maybe has experienced it Possibly. as well. Also possible, yeah. Mm-hmm. I th- do think one of the other problems I have with the character overall is just she's she doesn't have a ton to do in this movie. So nope. she, she has this naysayer role, and then she gets to kind of be the smartest person in the room who cleans up after all of these other wackadoodles murdering each other. And she gets a couple of reveals at the end, but she feels like the person who just connects the dots for the audience. And I wish she was a bit more of a character. I agree. Okay. And I think my biggest issue with the character is that in the end, when she, when, when Ruby is telling her all this stuff that Duquette has done, and I'm like, you didn't know this about your own fucking partner? Like, what? <laughs> we just know he's dirty. Yeah. So you're not smart in that regard. But maybe they have a really strict, like, professional, personal life balance. Maybe. Yeah. So Art then informs Sam of the allegations. So Sandra Van Ryan has been contacting everybody trying to get him fired. And Sam laments that he is innocent and that this is going to tarnish his entire career. This is particularly challenging. I, I'll confess I can't remember how it played back in the mid to late 90s, but especially now where we've seen a bunch of people who are very clearly rapists and have gotten away with it in the court of public opinion or because they have rich parents. Like, this is tough because Sam is also our de facto protagonist. Like, a lot of the first third of the movie mm-hmm. is from his point of view. Like, we're literally introduced into the movie from his point of view. <sighs> I mean, I, honestly, it, this may be some minimalist, but it boils down to, to for me, for me, how does this movie play in a post Me Too world? Mm-hmm. So I don't really have more to say than that. Actually, I just, I just, I'm just I'm more like ruminating or pondering, uh, speculating this this idea. Oh, for sure, yeah, and and obviously the way that we receive films and how we discuss them changes as time progresses. Like this movie was always rude and lewd, but I don't think that the sexual assault stuff, like it. I don't want to say it went down easier, but the twists made it more palatable, I think, right. back in the 90s. 
Because it wasn't actual rape. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to ponder a, a, a version of this film that actually does have one of these girls getting raped. Because, yeah, they, it's that's that, that's like where we're crossing the boundaries of, of bad taste. Like, we're, we, we're already in bad taste with this film. Mm-hmm. But to have one of these girls actually get raped and even include a rape scene, that to me was like, oh, maybe that's a bridge too far. And I, don't, I feel like I would have thought that pre-Me Too as well. But who knows? Yeah, like I, I covered this movie on my other podcast with Jenna adams and gina radcliffe when we talk about erotic thrillers so we we talked about this movie last year and we hypothesized that if you were going to try to remake this movie you would have to age up the girls so they were college students and you would make it a scandal where it was like a teacher sleeping with students so there was still a power dynamic at play but that it wasn't rape but god i hate even saying this but see that that's so much less interesting to me than the movie we have on hand (laughs) it's a lot less confronting I, I could see that, but I think, I don't, do I want to say this generation? Mm-hmm. People don't want things in their face as much. So, it, it, or they don't want the reality of certain issues or traumas or things mm-hmm. um, okay. on film, which technically, I guess you don't need to see these things. But even if it is implied, I think it may, for some people, it still is too much. But that just may not be the film for them. Right. Yeah, I mean, we're we're in this world. I I get it. You know, like we're in this world where we're in this like uh, is is including rape or showing rape necessary to a film. And I walk a very fine line with that because I understand the issues people have with it. But at the same time, I'm kind of like, yeah. But if the creator wants to show this, there's a reason. Hopefully, they're wanting to show this or include this in their work. And so. I, I, I'm kind of with you, Mike. I'm like, yeah, maybe it's just not for those people that don't want to see or hear about these things. I just, um, I don't know. I, I, I get really worried when we're getting into these kind of conversations. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, we can't include that in films. Like, okay, but then, then right. you're bordering on censorship. And that's, I mean, that's a whole other conversation. But it's just, a, I don't know. It's something I'm not fully comfortable with. But whatever. And you can convey it just a certain way. Like, in my opinion... The scene with Denise Richards running out of hell, it didn't hit enough for me, for me to like really feel it. But there are, I'm sure, ways for it to have been shot for me to like get the same impact without seeing anything. But that's the thing, though, because the way that the the, the scene is shot is like she's like going into the house like, yeah, I'm going to fuck this guy. And then literally Mm. the next shot is her walking out short turn mascara eyeliner smudge crying clothes and then you're dry yeah oh, clo- mm-hmm. clothes dry although we do find out later that they were 100 percent fucking during that scene <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it's complicated right i mean yeah i think part of this is like there's the question of do we need to include rape if we do how much of it do we need to see and then i think where this film takes that extra step is that it also sort of wants us to sympathize with sam because we don't entirely know what happened well but but here's the thing here's the thing that is probably the most taboo about this movie if it was made today you have quote-unquote rape survivors lying about being raped yeah it's a huge problem the mere concept of that would not fly today this would definitely get the people talking though they made um, uh, like a reboot of this or a oh modern my day <laughs> wild <laughs> things remake right now let's do oh it boy. oh my god <laughs> but gay we'll do it with gay men instead please I was oh about to ask, who would you <laughs> <laughs> who would you have star in the remake oh i mean i guess we have to have jonathan groff because he's in everything now that is if it's gay uh um, um, lucas gage honestly lucas gage and the cast of looking there you go oh my gosh <laughs> 
<laughs> or just get all those midnight kiss boys back together right oh shit but the ryan murphy train like matt bomer and whoever else is in american horror story that's gay <laughs> i couldn't think of anyone's name yeah, everyone um, yeah all his stuff like the pose people too all everybody just come in yeah. <laughs> just get all of queer hollywood together <laughs> I think we're just talking about a gangbang now. Yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know what though? In, the in, the, in, in the modern gay wild things, there would be a gangbang. So mm-hmm. it's just wild things gangbang. That's our remake. <laughs> <laughs> Throw in Billy Eichner for good measure. Oh my god, <laughs> he can just sit in the corner and be like, "Am I not hot enough to get fucked in this movie?" <laughs> oh bye. <clears throat> okay, so. All this to say, Sam is up shit creek without a paddle, so he needs representation. Enter attorney Ken Bowden, who is played by Bill Murray. And everything you need to know about this character (laughs) is visually represented by the fact that he wears a neck brace for insurance purposes only. um it's uh, this is like just unique to me but there is uh his assistant lady uh his, his mm-hmm. secretary there's a part later in the film where he tells her to do something and she just goes because his name is bowden but she just mm-hmm. goes okay mr bowden and that <laughs> line delivery lives rent free in my brain and i swear to god i think about it at least once a week okay mr bowden <laughs> Well, it, it's weird because we're not really doing a ton of accent work in this movie, but I actually had to check the cast list on both IMDb and Wikipedia because some people say Sandra Van Ryan and other people say Sandra Van Ryan. Mm. And I'm like, is it just a rich person thing? Oh, so the the low class people say Sandra? Mm-hmm. I think I would say Sandra. <laughs> Everyone would say Sandra. No, I, have a, Sandra. I, actually, I actually have a, cu- a cousin, and th- that's that's the debate. Like, it's actually Sandra. That's how you pronounce. Sandra. Mm-hmm. But oh, okay, people call, so. okay, Rich Bobby. Like, no, let's back up a little bit. No, far from it. So what we're saying is, Bobby is secretly rich and secretly very horny, right? <laughs> <laughs> No, they just, that's how she pronounces Sandra, unless she's been lying to us, you know, all our lives. But um, yeah, Sandra, <laughs> and some people say Sandra, Sandra, Sandra. I could just so. hear someone, no, it's Sandra. Like, yes. so, like, <laughs> like there's two A's. <laughs> okay so sam tries to live his life he goes to the tennis club and he is immediately dressed down by who we quickly learn is barbara's father tom baxter who's played by robert wagner um his presence in this movie is so random (laughs) i love it he's classing the joint up but also he's really rude and kind of crude also yeah it's a thing where it's like again looking at this movie it's like how why did all these very established esteemed actors do this movie i feel like kevin bacon producing it was like a big part in that but god man robert wagner (laughs) he's like i just did austin powers sure i'll come do wild things (laughs) Mm -hmm. i love the idea of all these people just kind of saying you know what yeah i'll slum it up in this dark comedy trash masterpiece like absolutely but that's the thing though is like you know my production history wasn't very long because there wasn't a lot of dirt on this movie because the production everyone had a good time making this movie Except for that body that washed up, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but they were in the, in the film. <laughs> they were a glorified extra. <laughs> so Sam's no good, very bad day continues when he's driven off the road and beaten by Frankie. I do love that there's a random shot of a raccoon watching the beating happen. <laughs> okay, that's the best part though, because no, because because it, basically it happens and a crocodile turns away and walks away, and yeah. then we get the shot of the raccoon just watching them. <laughs> 
it was giving like panther from anaconda vibes <gasps> yes yes, uh, it's, yes. <laughs> but that's the tone that's a silly tone of this movie it's a silly tone what are we doing with animals in this movie <laughs> okay so ken goes to visit sam in the morning there's like a broken window in his house so he's just on the receiving end of a lot of public ire and he fills Sam in about the details of Kelly's breakdown after her father's suicide. So she does have a bit of a quote-unquote troubled past, but the police aren't looking at her. They're more interested in exploring Sam's relationships to other students. So this is where we transition over to Duquette and Perez. They are speaking to Ruby, who was played by Carrie Snodgrass, over at the trailer park. So yes, we're really slumming it in the low-class part of town. And they're there to talk to Susie, who is passing the time reading Louis Ferdinand Celine's book, Death on the Installment Plan, or Death on Credit, if you look it up online. And folks, tell me if any of this sounds familiar. So it's it's about a character who goes on a bunch of travels, but uh, the action is not continuous, but goes back in time to earlier memories and often moves into fantasy, especially in the main character Ferdinand's sexual escapades. The style becomes deliberately rougher and sentences become terser to emulate everyday Parisian tragedies, including the stories of families whose destiny is governed by their own stupidity, malice, lust, and greed. Joe, I don't know what you just said. <laughs> Basically, the book that she's reading is a metaphor for the movie that we're watching. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry, Mike and Bobby, do you understand what he just said? I was wondering why, and then I of was just like, oh. <laughs> I mean, you could argue that she gets the plan from this book, is hmm. what I'm suggesting. Oh, okay, okay. Um, yeah, but except she came up with the plan like almost a year ago. <clears throat> well, she's rereading to, oh, okay. to brush up on it and make sure. <laughs> what do I do after this? Flip to page 100. <laughs> But yes, uh, in case you have not seen this movie, uh, Susie is the mastermind of this entire goddamn movie. It's interesting watching her talk to the to Kevin Bacon in, um, in the Heights. I can't remember. remember <laughs> Daphne um, Rubin Vega. Daphne, thank you. <laughs> or just perhaps. Okay, wait, 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 before you continue, I just have to say that, yes, 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 Daphne Rubin Vega was in In the Heights, but just two years prior to this movie, she was making a name for herself being the original Mimi in the Broadway production of Rent. Oh. That's what got her famous, and that's why she's in this movie. <laughs> she's theater chops. Oh, wow. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, continue your thought. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was gonna say Susie's. She, you can kind of tell after you find out the twists and everything that she's been working on it because she almost lies in a believable way. Mm -hmm. Whereas Kelly's, it's very hard for me to believe the way she's telling mm -hmm. or re remembering her story. Well, but it's because right. she's a rich girl. She's never had to lie to survive. Susie, absolutely. Susie, like this is it's that street smarts thing, right? Like, she's, but she's also you know has that two hundred plus IQ. But I'm curious, do y'all think that Susie and Ke genuinely likes Kelly, like wants to be with her? No. No. See, okay, I I thought that too. However, there's that line, or it's, uh, you know, whatever, it's at the end of the movie. I'm sorry, I'll, I'll wait, I'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> Teaser for the future. Yes. Also, the scene reminded me of when she was getting in an argument with Billy Loomis in Scream 1 after he mm -hmm. got arrested. It reminded, it was like, this is the same 
points, the same acting. Let me turn my head away and act upset and then run away. Like, yeah. <laughs> okay, but, but like when they barge in on her, she's like, oh, God, you scare me. What if someone was trying to strangle me or fuck me in the ass? <laughs> I love that this movie presupposes that the worst possible thing is that she could be getting murdered or, or fucked in the ass. In the ass. <laughs> I mean, I guess it would be raped in the ass at that point. So, yes. God, Trace. <laughs> <laughs> also, Mike, I did have the same thought because obviously this is very close proximity to her screen performances, but she doesn't have a neck crimp in this movie. So that's how you tell the performance apart. <laughs> oh, <Yep>. my God. <laughs> I was waiting for it, Joe. I was waiting. Oh, I was looking. <laughs> I was looking. <laughs> So Susie reveals on this walk with the two police detectives that, yes, she was also raped by Sam one year before, and she has the identical line that he finished with. So now, all of a sudden, we have both cause, motivation, well, a pattern, and It's whatever. not the exact same line, though, because... It's not. It's very close. Her line is, no little bitch could ever make me come, whereas Kelly's is, no little girl could ever make me come. And I, it makes me that's wonder... That's the class critique, Chris. Well, but, but, uh, but that, that, that's where I was like, okay, well, did someone make a mistake get the line wrong or do they intentionally say the lines differently mm, i think it's meant to make you question if you're paying close attention like oh it's close but it's not quite right right mm -hmm. right right so it's enough to land Sam in jail. We get a brief extended cutscene where his new cellmate calls him the new chicken liquor, which is <laughs> oh, a gosh. term for male prison sexual assault, I guess. Didn't we cover student bodies when the killer's chicken lips? <laughs> <laughs> yes, clearly a commentary on that. Yeah. And then we move to the media circus, which is the court case. And uh, this is presided over by Judge Wexman, played by Victoria Bass, or Bass, I guess. Uh, she is great. She needed more scenes in this movie. Yeah, and, and maybe this is the other reason I started to think of John Waters, because this plays out similar to me in a way that, like, Serial Mom does. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's a theatrical show <laughs> it's you know what we are giving a show to the people in the back of the room so kelly is up first and we get this rigmarole where she walks us through some of the details and it ends with sam lombardo raping her on the floor of his shitty house oh, i love that also the defense no the prosecutor prosecutor um mm -hmm. jeff perry aka cyrus bean from scandal yes oh <laughs> <laughs> so day two is when Susie takes a stand and this is when everything goes to hell so she is cross-examined by ken he outlines that she has this long-standing friendship with sam where every time she got into trouble she would call him including a time after the alleged rape which is kind of damning so ken connects all these dots suggests that oh well when sam wasn't there when you got thrown into juvie for six months for that drug possession charge you got mad at him. This is you lashing back out. And she basically cracks immediately. She says it was Kelly's plan because Kelly is in love with Sam and she was pissed that he was fucking her mom. And <laughs> Kelly throws a glass at the stand and calls her a skanky bitch. Okay, okay, okay. But but also <laughs> Robert Wagner tries to walk up and, and like say something. And, yes. the, and the, mm -hmm. the judge is like, Mr. Baxter, you are not trying this case. <laughs> Go sit down <laughs> at his face. <laughs> Ooh, crush his dreams real like quick. He really thought he could go up there and do it. But also, when Denise Richards is there, when the bailiff is carrying her away, she's like, "Do you know who I am? I'm going to have you fired on Monday. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> on Monday." <laughs> this is a scene. I thought, okay, something is fishy. This is way right. too over the top, mm -hmm. and the Susie character cracked way too quick. 
right? So, like, something isn't right. Wait, yeah. so wait, what did you think was going on, Mike? At this point, do you remember what you thought was going on? I thought, okay, so I already didn't trust Denise Richards, so I thought something's off with mm-hmm. her. I don't know what, but something is off. And then her overreaction in mm-hmm. this moment was a, 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 like a little it's a okay, red, flag. red flag. Yeah, mm-hmm. Susie yeah. cracking so quickly because she seems like such a tough bitch. So for her to like break down like that and immediately give them up, I wasn't really buying that. Mm-hmm. And also, I was like, I checked the timestamp and I was like, okay, there's like half the movie left. So something <laughs> Clearly something else going on. <laughs> what if the movie just ended? <laughs> the rest of the movie is just Sam doing community like service, like cleaning up in the Everglades. <laughs> Yes, so indeed there is something more going on. So Ken outlines to Sam that they've now got this slam dunk case. They're going to go back and get a bunch of money from Sandra Van Ryan. And Kelly is going to be in big trouble because now she's been caught perjuring herself on the stand. So Sandra does eventually settle. We get them signing all the legal documents in Ken's office. Okay, Mr. Bowden. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the, the joke about how shitty his office is it's in a strip mall he's got a divider that doesn't reach the ceiling so he can just yell to the receptionist. it's great it's all good stuff and uh then at school sam because he's now gotten this big payout but also his reputation is still tarnished he ends up quitting and kelly publicly smashes his teaching award and then screams at him that he's being paid off with her trust fund money so here's the part that was a little confusing to me with their plan i'm like so she perjured herself yeah. but they they automatically knew that she would be they'd be able to get her off somehow well but who sues the person when they're perjuring is it the state or does like the person that they're like would sam have to sue her for be for perjury Mm. i think the state would be able to have a case against her but the idea is that the van ryans have so much money and influence that they could make it go away yeah, I, th- I think the case in this is, just like, yeah, she perjured herself so they have no chance to win back any money, but they have enough money to get out of any future lawsuits. Okay. Sure. Yeah. None of us are rich, so we don't know these yeah, things. <laughs> <laughs> Can we have some rich listeners write in and tell us, that when you perjure yourself on the stand, how do you get out of it? Yeah, I feel like I would have just been dragged into the jailhouse right after that. So <laughs> oh, sure. We just could take it straight to the chair. I would like to think that at least one famous person listens to our podcast. We just don't know about it. Jinx, if you're listening, tell us when you perjured yourself. How did you get Jinx was on the show. That doesn't count. (laughs) Okay. So that night at his shitty hotel, because yes, Sam has lost his house and all of this. So even though he's rich now, everything is still ruined for him. But then when he goes into his shitty motel room, lo and behold, the ruse is revealed. Both Kelly and Susie are in on the plan. And then we get our infamous threesome. Okay, wait, Mike, what were your thoughts when this (laughs) happened? (laughs) Mike, take us through the breakdown. Did you get a slight erection or were you just like, no, it's not working Um, for me? I wouldn't say that. I was trying because I was like, okay, he's... (laughs) What? Like, I can can see that he's attractive, but I just, I could not get there. Well, there's no nudity from Matt Dillon, which is very disappointing for me in this film. I will say, though, the funniest part of this threesome to me is that Nev Campbell, because has anyone here had a threesome, if you're comfortable admitting that? I have not, unfortunately. Okay, Bobby, your silence (laughs) is deafening. 
So here's the thing. I have it. I have it. I have it. I have it. I'm joking. Okay. Well, here's the thing. As the only person in this room that has had a threesome, or I guess an orgy of any kind. Um, by the way, y'all go out and have fun. Um, but <laughs> it, it is absolutely possible, yes, to, to leave someone out. So you need to make sure you include everyone. But I love that mm-hmm. Nev Campbell's contribution to this threesome. It's like a back it, rub. It's, yeah. it's a back rub and to pour champagne all over Denise Richards' titties. Like, hey. Mm-hmm. That's going to get sticky later. Oh, Trace's favorite. It's a waste of good champagne. Although I will say, because I, I read somewhere that Denise Richards, I guess she she had, before filming this, she had just had a breast in, uh, job correction. Because she had a boob oh, job when she was 19 that I guess was not done right. So right before shooting this, she had the correction on the implants done. I will say her tits look great in this they scene. Do. And they as do. much as I hate the champagne running down them, it does look aesthetically pleasing. Oh, sure. If you're a breast person, it's like this mm-hmm. scene is going to do it for you. Yeah. It, uh, the the contrast between her titties being all out and Nev Campbell's back just being shown and standing mm-hmm. there. I was like, this seems maybe that's why I didn't get an erection. It just didn't work. <laughs> but there's no actual off. sex in this scene. So we say it's a threesome, but there's no penetration. Like that we, we it's see, a lot of touching. That's it's a lot yeah, yeah. It's a lot which at, in nineteen ninety eight for a theatrically released studio film, this was very risque. But sure. at the end of the day, this is not a sex scene. Hmm. You no, know it's, it's a sex scene. It's just it's not like it's a, a foreplay scene. sex scene. Yeah, it's a four four play scene. <laughs> yeah, for like I don't see it as a sex scene because again, you don't even see like the like the simulation of sex. You know, it's just more rubbing and touching and champagne running. It's not like really. <sighs> Okay. You know what? You're both right. It probably ended right after we fade to black. It's like <laughs> no! they, they, they touch each other's backs and then they call it the night. It is the lead. It is the lead in to a sex scene that we do not. We are not privy to see. As a member of the side community, I would like to say rubbing, heavy petting, and all that does count. So it I, is. I would say it's a sex scene. Oh. Yeah. Thank you, thank you for for mentioning that you're a side. My, I didn't know that, but that's that's a term that's real. No, no, no. I mean, why would I know that? Uh, Education <laughs> moment. Here we go. But no, 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 because no, there, there's a. It's a term that I learned oh like two years ago. But I like it because I feel like so much of the gay male community is so mm-hmm. like they're so like, oh, are you a top or a bottom? And like, do, when do you want to fuck me in the ass? Or when do, when can I fuck you in the ass? And it's like, well, you don't have to always do that. You can True. do other things. We just ate Boston mm-hmm. Market. Like I don't think either of them. <laughs> Not happening. Girl, TMI. So we could do something else. <laughs> hey, bottoming takes a lot of prep work, and sometimes it's just not right to do it. It does. Exactly. That's why we have toys, or, you know, it's just a whole lot of things you can do. You don't yeah, you've got theater tickets, and you've got 20 minutes, so you need to make the time. <laughs> okay, <laughs> wait, noted bottoms. So do you plan, if you think you're going to get fucked at the end of the night, then do you plan your day, your meals of the day around when you're getting fucked? I've done that when I have bottoms. And then I got extremely annoyed. I remember one time <laughs> this guy, who's a fuck buddy of mine, and he flaked. I was what? furious. And hangry. <laughs> this is when you're like, yeah, I'm going to go carb load, you fucking asshole. <laughs> I didn't eat all day. <laughs> See, no, I'm not compromising on my lifestyle so that I can have, like, some... No. <laughs> oh, it was good, though. It was, it was... It was. Wait, the meal or the dick? Yeah, which one? <laughs> <laughs> the dick the dick was good mike oh. is like i regret coming on your r-rated podcast it tasted good or the actions it no, was doing was good. the actions <laughs> like so if if okay how could i explain this 
the experience with him, I can understand why people like bottoming. But usually oh. I don't have that kind of experience when I am. But with him, I was like, oh, I get it. Okay, I get it. Oh, good for you. That's good. That's good. Right. And when you and when you came, was it come with an O M E or was it with a U M? Oh, it was a U M. I was loud. His his uh apparently his cousin was in the other room and heard us. But yes. Oh double. No, it's C U U U U U U U U U U M. It's like what it's like what happens when Sandra comes, right? Oh my god. Uh, okay, so one one final observation I do have to make about this side scene is that <laughs> Kelly is so deliberately costumed like an underage girl. It's very uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. Like, she's giving off schoolgirl energies with these patent leather shoes and like the dainty little underwear so it, the movie knows exactly what it's doing but it's still like oh geez movie come on we get it and everyone just so you know denise richards was 27 when she filmed mm -hmm. what? wow oh yeah they were all exceedingly of age yeah I, th I think campbell was like 23 or 24 but but either way it's a thing where it doesn't even matter that there are grown ass adults playing teenagers in this movie because whatever it'd be grosser if they were actually teenagers <laughs> I, yeah. I feel like today we actually are casting like 17 18 19 year olds as 17 year olds which is good mm -hmm. except for a movie like this yeah i mean like when you when you watch things like euphoria and oh, you're yeah. kind of like okay <laughs> i want to age check all of these actors yes. because these simulated sex scenes are gossip girl for real oh yeah, yeah fuck yeah gossip mm -hmm. girl <laughs> <laughs> rip rest in peace yeah <laughs> okay so sex scene over fade to black the movie now switches to ray's perspective for the next little bit mm -hmm. and he is zeroing in on sam so he figures out that sam was actually really broke so he was in financial trouble and he thinks that sam ended up using these two girls like he he basically groomed them so that he could get the payout so he begins tailing Sam, and he's questioning Kelly about the success rate of how do threesomes survive. And this is all happening after she climbs out of the pool in a slow motion in a blue bikini. <laughs> I was going to say Ray's a really good cop, but then I'm like, oh, wait, no, he knows all of this already because he's mm -hmm. fucking in on the whole goddamn thing. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, this is another performance. I'm a little mad at him because he had me go on a whole roller coaster for oh, no sure. reason almost. <laughs> I remember just thinking, like, <laughs> Kevin Bacon is so good at playing this kind of asshole that you just think he's maybe a dirty cop, but... He seems more lecherous than anything. Yes. Okay, so the next stop that Ray makes is he goes to visit Susie in the swamps, and he is fully physically threatening her. So he's speaking to Kelly at the poolside in the middle of the day with witnesses. He goes to Susie at night where there are no witnesses. He's actually touching her and uh we do get a name drop of a character named davy who she knows who has died and we'll get a bit more context for that in the future he also reveals that sam has deposited the money and purchased a very large sailboat uh, and deposited it in an offshore bank account mm -hmm. well, which is code for yeah like where <laughs> else would you deposit it <laughs> code for rich people's things god i want an offshore bank account that'd be great 
<laughs> I mean, you could probably get one, but you you would need money to put it. Well, I, I, I want. Sorry, step one. I want money. Step two. <laughs> I want an offshore bank account to put that money in. <laughs> uh, goals. Hashtag goals. Yeah. So after this visit by Ray, she gets really spooked. So Susie ends up driving to Kelly's house, and Sam ends up reassuring both of them on the phone before they catfight and kiss in the pool. I'm sorry. I've seen this movie many times. I have never paid attention to the size of the pool phone that Kelly uses, which is <laughs> oh my God. an enormous yellow brick. <laughs> They have to be bigger if they're going to be waterproof, I guess. I, I was, is that why it's yellow? It's like a boat phone? <laughs> it's a rubber ducky. <laughs> I mean, I think a part of me laughs because I wonder if they made the prop or they found the biggest prop they could so that they could make sure we knew that both girls were listening to it. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I mean, I think it's stupid if that's the case, but I could imagine. Or it's just 1998, and that's what pool phones looks like. <laughs> Maybe. I'm going to do some research after this. 1998 pool phone. Yes. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you see people talking on cell phones, more so in the late 80s, early 90s, when it was still a novelty. But yeah, it looks like they are handling a backpack or a brick. They're so big. <laughs> Okay, so Ray has captured all of these pool shenanigans. Do we do we have any commentary on this? One for me, his face when they start making out <laughs> is priceless. priceless. This is ex mm -hmm. this is Oscar worthy Kevin Bacon acting <laughs> when he sees them <laughs> making out. And I also love that we get the word cunt when Denise Richards calls her a stupid cunt. This is when I text Mike and I said I was cracking because uh, she was just beating her mm -hmm. ass in that pool and calling her a stupid cunt. And I'm just like, oh my god. And then These girls. She also is like, are you R word or are you just sick from inhaling all the swamp fumes? Yeah. <laughs> and now your fingers in my mouth. Okay. Yeah. But also, this uh, this scene is hotter than the threesome scene. It is. Oh yes, it is. by far. It it's mm -hmm. very erotic and very sexy. And maybe for okay, me, showgirl. No, I mean, well, for me, is like it's hot and sexy because it goes from them being angry and fighting mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. you know oh having sex, and I love that. Yeah, it's kind of like angry foreplay, but yeah. I think the moment that really sells it is when Denise Richards removes the hair from yeah. Nev Campbell's face. <laughs> like it's a tender moment, and you're like, oh, there's actually good chemistry between these two actresses. Well, she's mm -hmm. like, you are scared, aren't you? And it's like oh like she does care about her <laughs> it's just so funny right because you know that these scenes are in here to entice what they assume is a straight male audience who's yes. coming to see this movie and it, meanwhile it's like the gaggles of gays and lesbians <laughs> and bisexual women who are like yes oscars for everyone put it in the spank bank okay wait you're limiting it to bisexual women there are bisexual men too i don't think the mm. bisexual oh, okay yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yep. i was like what would bisexual men get out of oh right um, yeah you know what anybody who can appreciate the the female form, or even just bodies in motion, you're really going to get something out of this. But, but Mike's over here like, I thought they were going to start scissoring, so I, I turned it off. <laughs> I mean, the intensity of the scene, I was like, okay, well, it's clearly going somewhere, so let me just change the channel, I guess, because I didn't remember <laughs> anything else from this movie. Except this scene. I mean, wow. it is a memorable scene. <laughs> it is a memorable scene, yeah. And they probably should have. 
right? Maybe they did after Ray turns off the camera. Mike, go watch The Handmaiden, and you will there get a scissoring scene in that movie. Oh, this is true. <laughs> a very long scissoring they, scene. They in pass that. balls back and forth between the two of them. Oh, yeah. Oh, you get a vagina POV in that movie, too. What? Oh, wow. <laughs> Also, it's a legitimately fantastic oh, yeah. movie. It's okay. Is it Park Chan Wook or is it? Um, yes. Oh yeah, it's part. It's the guy that did Pir- Parasite. Mm. Anyway, mm. watch The Handmaiden. It's great. Yeah. Okay, I'll check it out. So Ray has captured all of this on video, and then he proceeds to show this essentially underage softcore <laughs> erotic video to his colleagues at work. And Mr. Cyrus Bean is like, no. <laughs> Mm-hmm. go away <laughs> it's like what the fuck are you doing you're not even working this case there is no case and ray is so confident that <laughs> he's so confident that sam is behind all of this that he's already called him down to the precinct so they have a big man-on-man yelling match out in the lobby sam calls him a cocksucker and i will say cocksuckers mm-hmm. is not a term i use a lot just throwing cocksucker around willy-nilly i i don't know bobby and mike how how do y'all feel about the jokes because hey i say cock in in a sexual sense you know like if you're if you're having sex i refer to the penis as the cock but i don't i don't like the i don't dislike the word cocksucker but i just i don't you i don't throw that term (laughs) around ever i i've never called someone a cocksucker well, Trace, I remember we had a short discussion on Twitter a while back about, you know, Ooh. cock and dick. And I said, I prefer the word dick where you said cock. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Folks, there's a poll on your podcast right now. Are you team dick or are you team cock? I talk about dick when I'm not in a sexual situation. Mm. I say cock in a sexual situation. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And Bobby, you're the opposite? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> almost sound, even though it's not clinical, it sounds clinical to me. Penis sounds Sorry. clinical. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Give me your penis. Oh my gosh. That. I never used it. So I see this as the start of my queer reading oh, yeah. for these two characters because Ray gets so upset by this, and it's because of the word cocksucker. And you're just like, Oh, Ray, <laughs> do you have something to tell the class? But isn't this a performance, though? Yes. So he's not like, hes not even, like, well, I guess maybe he is actually offended, but maybe not, because <laughs> they're in cahoots. Yeah, but he's playing it up. So part I of mean, it is like, yeah. well, you didn't have to go that hard. You didn't mm. have to get offended about maybe being called cocksucker by your gay lover. Well, okay, yes. wait, I'll, I'll just say this now. So I don't know if y'all, Mike and Bob, I don't know if you know this, but what was removed from the original screenplay of this film there was originally a gay scene between Kevin Bacon and Matt Dillon near the end of the film in which they both kiss in the shower. I felt it. I got those vibes. So again, they had a queer relationship, but according to Kevin Bacon, the scene was modified to eliminate any suggestion of a sexual relationship between them as the film's financiers, quote unquote, did not like the idea of men making out. It goes too far. These motherfuckers. I can't. In a film which we have two, a threesome scene with two girls just going tits out, out of each right. other. Yeah, it's right. called Double Standards. We're perfectly fine with women kissing and implied lesbianism or bisexuality because that's what men find attractive. But mm. straight men are turned off by the idea of gay men. But they can watch simulated sex with supposedly teenage girls and it's mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> this is america unpack that shit <laughs> right <laughs> but that being said though honestly you could 
even without the explicit nature of them kissing in a shower, you can 100% so watch this movie, assuming that they have had a queer relationship. Yeah, I definitely did. I forgot about this movie, like the whole ending. So when I, when this scene came up, I was just like, oh, so here's the other twist, because there's so many twists and turns in this film. Right. So I was like, oh, so they're gay lovers. And then it didn't turn out to be yes. that way. Except here's the thing. The fact that we all naturally come to that conclusion tells me yeah. that there's something about the way that Bacon and Dylan and play these characters in an overtly sexualized film where I don't think that's that hard a reach to make. No, not at all. It was the approach and the comfortability in the shower. And mm-hmm. it just I just felt all of it. I'm a little disappointed, actually, that they didn't do this. Well, you know what? That That's the remake we're going to get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the remake just opens with this. It's like a guy in the shower, his male friend comes in and it's just like, dicks out oh no 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 it opens with a full-on rim job that leads into full-on anal penetration oh my gosh it's <laughs> just white lotus <laughs> that's true <laughs> i'm sorry people of color gay men of color rimming each other and fucking each other <laughs> there we go this movie could use a few more people of color for being honest it's 1988 yeah. <laughs> people of color didn't exist back then oh no <laughs> I also love that Kevin Bacon is, like, really not afraid to, like, get naked. Like, isn't this the second mm-hmm. film that he showed his penis in? Well, yep. but again, he had a no nudity clause. And basically, they, they, th- they thought they captured it, like, with, when, when they, didn't, they didn't show his dick. And the director was like, hey, Kevin, this is the shot we got out of multiple. <laughs> but I think that this shot works. And honestly, we, we should give something to the women in this movie. And Kevin Bacon said, you know what? Sure. Okay. Yeah, you know what? But, yep. And he said, technically, I could have gotten, uh, I could have sued someone for that, but the producer mm-hmm. was me, so I would have had to sue myself. <laughs> <laughs> and props to him for not using a prosthetic. Right? Amen. Oh God, right? I'm so tired of prosthetic dicks. I'm so fucking tired of it. Same. <laughs> Here's the thing: I will continue to take prosthetic dicks because it's a step above <laughs> no dicks. Th- that's like we're, true. we're inching closer true. to real dick. So if the prosthetics get us one step closer, I'm I'm here for it. I just don't understand men who are like, I don't want to show my dick because the size. Like, if your dick is soft, you understand it. That doesn't no, but no, but because if it's soft, it doesn't matter. Like your your dick soft is not an indicator of what it looks like when it's hard. Yeah, some people are growers, not showers. And you would think people who like dick would know that, but they do not seem to know that. Okay, but that's not my problem. <laughs> True. <laughs> Chris is over here sitting on his entitled box being like i want to see the soft and hard dicks yeah no i mean uh, look non-porn is for soft dicks porn is for hard dicks i'm just i'm just saying men don't be so self-conscious about your penis size especially if it's soft because again it's not an indicator of what it looks like when it's hard it's fine it's fine and also it's not right because I don't see prosthetic titties whenever I'm watching movies. I was yes. just saying that. Wow. Unless there's something crazy <laughs> happening, like Night of the Demons or, you know, some crazy well, yeah. Shit. But wait, 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 wait. I, Okay, so to make it even, do we see prosthetic <laughs> pussy anywhere? I mean, we see Merkins and stuff. Merkins, yeah. true. That's, <laughs> that's hiding a pussy. <laughs> it's Merkin with, with pubic hair shavings, what? Was Linnea Quigley wearing a Merkin on Return of the Living Dead when she was dancing on that tombstone? Because it looked like she was like, you know, a Barbie. Like, yeah, it was but, nothing there. But, but it's, it was... the, it's the 80s, and so you can't really be sure if it's a Merkin or if it's just full bush. I didn't see or bush. shaved bush. How many Wait. of us got this one for a K? I'll zoom up. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, no, I mean, if it's shaved bush, she would be wearing a merkin, so there'd be no yeah, question about it. True, true. She doesn't give me she would wear anything fake for those type of scenes. Mm-mm. I feel like it's she would just be like, quickly. Look, yeah. look at it. <laughs> Honestly, though, yeah, look, it, wouldn't you want to have like visual like proof of what your genitals look like at a young age? So when you're older, you can be like, look at how good they looked. Like Samantha, sex in his. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a scene in the new season of You where one of the characters has casts made of all of the dicks of the men that she slept with, and she just has yeah. a room full oh, of I mean, dick candles. Um, that's amazing. It was mm-hmm. amazing. I will tell you, so when I was a freshman, in, no, sophomore in college, I got one of those, like, make-your-own-dildo kits for my penis, and it is really fucking hard because you Wait, have to... So you fucked yourself. Well, uh, well yeah, when I used it. Uh, but, but when you're making the cast, when you're making the mold for your dick, you have to stay hard. Hard. Yeah. And the mold material is cold and gross feeling. It's oh, not mm. easy to make. <laughs> Kona Willie, my yeah. job sells those. <laughs> like I would assume you'd have to take like a Viagra or something mm-hmm. for doing that. Well, my it boyfriend, my like boyfriend at the time, and I were doing it at the same time, so we just made out with each other while we were molding our dicks. <laughs> oh, that's smart. Okay, but it's still not fully effective because you have this cold, wet, mushy material <laughs> around your dick. Just imagining that sad porno where you two are trying to keep each other erect, yes. but it's like the molds just keep banging against each other, and it's like split, split. Yes, <laughs> some split. weird version of Ghost, where instead of the mold, uh, uh, <laughs> yes, that's exactly it. <laughs> oh my god. So you just need Unchained Melody playing. That would have kept you hard. Oh, my God. Think of Demi. Think of Demi. <laughs> well, add this in a re- reboot, so I'll think. Yes, absolutely. The remake of Ghost. The queer remake of Ghost. Oh, my God. <laughs> I think I saw this porn. I'm going to bring us back to the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, 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 ahead, go ahead. I don't even know how we got there. It's four gay guys in a room. You, you tell me. <laughs> Apparently. The 4G. Yeah. <clears throat> so... Uh, Susie is lured to Stoner's Beach by both Kelly and eventually Sam. It's revealed, and then she is murdered with a champagne bottle. And I do love that slow motion splash of blood across the screen. So I will, this is when I'll pull in my one other quote from uh, Mm -hmm. Miss Bilson's article that's in this Blu-ray. But it says, Further viewings reveal plot holes and implausibility. There's an out-of-focus shot from Susie's point of view just prior to her supposed murder, indicating that she is drunk and vulnerable in the mm-hmm. reveal during the end credits though we're led to believe that she was sober enough to almost immediately join with sam and faking her own death there's no one else in the frame so who is the out of focus shot supposed to fool us yeah with a sinking <laughs> feeling we realize it's us Susie has been conspiring with the film itself to pull the wool over our eyes in the preposterous thriller the ultimate fall guy is not one of the characters but the audience. Hmm. And again, you can't, this is the one part of the movie where I get that is a cheat. To insert that shot in there is a cheat, but it doesn't bother me because the movie's so fucking playful about it that I don't really care. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I will say this is probably the only scene where I feel like I probably should have watched this whole movie when it came out because I'm trained now. If I don't see a body, I don't believe it mm. in. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So when he just came out holding the bottle with blood, I was like, I don't buy it. She's in it. Something's wrong. <laughs> same. Same. I mean, I do believe that they wrapped her up in this tarp and then put her body out. <laughs> and then she just like 
unwrapped herself and like crawled to shore she's got a fake not breathing though and but she's, she's probably, well kelly's a fucking idiot so she'll believe if i just sit here and breathe like full out she'll still think i'm dead she's like how do i use my 200 iq to get out of this oh i know i'll just fake not breathing because kelly's too dumb he missed an opportunity they could have used the body that came up on shore and yeah. pretended mm. that was her body exactly so later on ray goes to speak to kelly at her house but she won't speak to him she just sprays him with her own version of a wet t-shirt contest and then he and perez learn from ruby that Susie has disappeared so he gets jimmy to take him to stoner's beach and this is where they discover the blood and a couple of teeth but uh da hunter is not convinced and even though he thinks there might be something suspicious. He wants to wait on the blood type, and he warns Ray off the case. Like, you should not be doing this. There is a sort of cheaty moment where Ray more or less spells out his motivation. He tells Jimmy, hey, don't trust people when they tell you who they are or what they are, because people are often not what they appear. And you're like, right. okay, Ray, you're talking about yourself. <laughs> but he is worried, quote-unquote, that Kelly is next, so he asks Perez to keep an eye on Sam at the motel so she goes she's basically stalking voyeuristically sam and then he sees her because she's a shit job at this <laughs> so he invites her inside he gives her kelly's file and he plants this seed that kelly was in a lesbian relationship with another girl at school and that it might have gotten violent because she's threatened to kill people before man uh, they nearly kiss. Uh, this would be Sam and Perez do. And then he leaves. And when Ray finds out, he gets really mad at Perez because he feels like she's let him down. You're just out. You're like blowing through plot points. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that, that happens. That mm -hmm. happens. Because mm -hmm. that's what the movie does. The last like 30 minutes of this movie, just like reveal after reveal after reveal after reveal. Well, I also think that Ray's not as interesting a character because he's actively, quote unquote, at this point, we think trying to solve this crime. But he's he's not dodgy like Sam is, and he's not right. fun like the girls are. So this becomes a little bit more of a film noir where we're just following a man who's maybe in over his head and he's not really up to any good. I think that comes to the territory, though, of him being a cop who is just it makes mm -hmm. him immediately less interesting <laughs> than everyone yeah. else. Yeah. So he ends up going back to Kelly's and he fights his way onto the property. And this is where we get a kind of another very specific stylistic decision. So he goes into the room. We see him fight with Kelly in silhouette. We hear gunshots and then he stumbles out and he collapses. And then Sandra Van Ryan goes in and she begins screaming. So we more or less know that kelly has been killed all right so uh, bobby i'm sorry to ignore you on this but mike the, your first time watching this what do you think is going on in this scene uh well at this point my mind is already scrambled between all the twists i've <laughs> just witnessed so mm -hmm. or that i anticipate are coming up so i'm like <laughs> okay so she's dead he came out I, I thought something was wrong with him at this point i wasn't right but i didn't know to what extent because i heard i think i heard why are you here or some shit like that and she said and mm -hmm. that sounds odd it's because the way it's because she she runs she's like what are you doing here as if she does know that he might have a reason to be there but we get you know yeah the silhouette of them fighting through the door but then they move away and we just hear the gunshots and hear him get hurt but it's like i don't know like i it's hard for me to think of what i thought about this the first time i saw it because now i'm watching I'm like well yeah he's clearly like killing her and faking it himself mm -hmm. 
And she but. doesn't seem like the type, like she'd be able to do it. She doesn't seem like the one who would pull the trigger to kill someone. If anything, mm. though, this scene makes it, because this is the end of Denise Richards in this movie. She's not in here after this. She's legitimately dead. She's actually right. dead. And I, I, I always feel like it happens earlier in the film, but I feel like this is like the 80 minute mark of the movie. Mm-hmm. It, we're nearer the end than you realize, because after this, it's just the kind of wrap up stuff on the island. Right, 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 right. But yeah, I mean, I I remember thinking something about this doesn't quite sit right. Like there was a reason that we don't see the action. Yep. And I anticipated that we would get some kind of clarification. But I remember being disappointed that they deprived us of that actual visual. Yeah, same here. Yeah. I remember that, like, because so many things were just happening, like, you know, again, twist and turn. So I'm like, all right, something's mm-hmm. up with this scene right here mm-hmm. because they, why wouldn't they show it to us? So I said, this is probably all staged. Like, something's wrong. Like, she's not dead or he's a part of it, which, you know, obviously it was. Like, all these things were going through my mind at the time. Well, so, Bobby, do you feel like the, 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 by not showing us this, by not showing us the quote-unquote rape scene from earlier, do you think that it's the film cheating? Because, or, or do you think it's like, no, oh, it's just withholding information? Uh, good question. I mean, I wouldn't say cheating, because, I mean, it ha- it has to show. I mean, I mean, let me take it back. It's not going to show what's happening, because obviously if it gives away, then obviously it's mm-hmm. not like all the stuff that happens at the end is going to kind of like spoil it. Right, so right. I think it's obviously meant to be this way. So I think it wasn't cheating, personally. I think it was fine. It's more of a tease, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. What? I think it's just playing with film narratives because mm-hmm. we as viewers are used to films showing us things in a linear order, including a scene where we will get to see the way the scene ends, which this movie says, nope, sorry about that. We're <laughs> not going to show you the way this scene ends. We're mm-hmm. going to imply it and you have to make it up for yourself because that's key to the mystery of the film. <laughs> exactly. Right. Well, particularly, too, we have a central foursome, right? Like, there's four main people that we have been following throughout this entire film. And this scene kills one of them off screen. Yeah. So I think the film knows that this is going to be naturally either frustrating or disappointing, or we're going to be clued in that something more is going on. Right. Yeah. And lo and behold, something is because we move into these final couple of scenes. So we're on an island. It's very beachy. Sam is looking great. And then he walks into his cabin and lo and behold, there's Ray in the shower. Well, what is the phrase? It's Kevin Bacon's bacon, which Mm -hmm. is really gross. (laughs) I don't like that. Big bacon, little bacon. (laughs) Yeah, it's Ray with his little gator dangling about. It wasn't that bad, though. I mean, I was, it's a it's a good dick. Oh, yeah. it's a really good dick. Good for right. Kevin Bacon. <laughs> I mean, better for Kyra Sedwick, but sure. Oh my god. <laughs> also, you talking about like amazing Hollywood couples. Like, I feel like people always go toward. Well, maybe not anymore. Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith, but mm. Kevin Bacon and Kyra Sedgwick, like they are the Hollywood power couple because they're quiet about it. I feel like that's one of the things I appreciate about celebrities who sort of keep yeah. their private lives a little bit yeah. private. They clearly love each other. It's for me. It's them and Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah, just like together forever. <laughs> so good together, doing their own thing creatively, but also very supportive. Um, oh. I will add. I mean, they're newer, but I will add Emily Blunt and John Krasinski to that mix. Mm. 
I don't know any couples now that you guys bring this. <laughs> I know. I'm like trying to think of some off the top of my head. What kind of gays are y'all? <laughs> I mean, we could do we could do SMG and Freddie Prince. Oh yeah, that's a good oh, one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they've been going strong forever. Good one. I mean, we could we could do Kirsten Bell and Dak Shepard, but uh, yes, no, no, they have a really good relationship. Look, I've listened to his. Cute. I just don't like him. Uh, <laughs> you should listen to his podcast. His podcast is actually like, really, really, really good. And hearing him like be very candid about his road to recovery is very mm. endearing. Okay. Listeners, tell us your favorite celebrity couples and why you like them. And then vote dick or cock. We really want to know. Oh my or gosh. bacon. No. That's... Or bacon or gay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, Christine Taylor and Ben Stiller. Oh, yeah, they've been together forever. Well, and they and they separated during the pan, uh, before the pandemic and then the pandemic oh. brought them back together. Oh. One good thing to come out of the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> anyway okay go ahead okay so the men head out on this 60 foot sailboat and ray gets his after a a rather prolonged sequence so we end up hitting him overboard he climbs back up and then just when we think he's going to get the jump on sam this is when he gets double harpooned by (gasps) Susie. and the biggest question anyone has is what the fuck is up with this wig that wig oh Oh my gosh (laughs) It's what? <laughs> what? I mean, here's the thing. The wig actually looks like natural. It doesn't look like a wig. Oh, Trace. Yeah, Trace. Sweetie, you tried no. it with that. You are so <laughs> yeah. It looks like a piece of shit wig. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, I'm really, I, I'm not good at spotting wigs. I'm sorry, y'all. It, it looked natural, but it, it, just, it looks like a bad hairstyle to me. <laughs> it was given very much like. It's given mom energy, isn't it? Mom energy and Christy Swanson and Flowers in the Attic when she got her hair chopped <sighs> off. Wait, oh. Yes. <laughs> it was given very much that oh my god <laughs> i will say i don't think the color is necessarily terrible on nev campbell oh yeah i like yeah. her uh, yeah. <laughs> it's um it's blonde ish <laughs> hold for very applause <laughs> oh, okay what about this versus uh gail's hair in scream three which one are we leaning Which towards? one's better? Oh, uh, here, here's the thing. Gail's hair in Scream 3 is not good, mm-hmm. but it looks more natural. Well, because it is natural. That's actually her hair. <laughs> right, right. So I'm going to say Gail's hair in Scream 3. Perfect. I mean, you can be wrong. <laughs> it's fine. How about this? They're both bad. It's a race to the bottom. <laughs> ne- nevertheless, nevertheless, Nev Campbell is winning she's winning in this movie also she may have a no nudity clause but we we see her in a bikini on this like 60 foot sailboat and the body be banging i'm saying are you like a middle school kid like i can't watch porn but i can look at swimsuit pictures yay (laughs) uh you're talking to the person who realized that he was gay in part because he looked at underwear catalogs from like sears and the i understand Okay, mm-hmm. it's not the underwear. Wait, 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 wait. It's not the underwear catalog. It's the underwear aisle of a Foley's or a Macy's or whatever, because all the underwear bags have the bulge pictures on them. Mm-hmm. God, no! I can't risk being caught looking in <laughs> underwear aisles. Oh my god! I was like thirteen, walking around these underwear aisles, hard as a fucking rock. <laughs> And then your religious mother is like, my sweet straight boy. No, See? then I went to the changing rooms and I masturbated on the floor. Oh my. <laughs> and didn't clean it up? No, I didn't clean it up. I, 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 I stepped on it, so I smeared it into the oh. carpet. Ew. You're nasty. I, I was 13. 
the trick is to go to the public library. Ah! Not, not to not to jerk off, but on the books. <laughs> You go to the men's health uh, magazines oh, area, the magazines. and yes. it looks like okay. I'm just looking up ways to work out or some bullshit. But in really, really, you're just looking. Wait, at Wait, the- but you're not going to jerk off. You're just going to stare at it and be like, not there. <laughs> so you look at this stuff, and then you somehow make it all the way home so you can jerk off there. What yeah. madness is this? Well, I live it around the corner, so that wasn't an issue. Oh, okay. It's about remembering. It's just, it's studying. It's, it's taking everything in. This was in the beginning. I, of course, graduated to other stuff. Oh my but. God. And then Mike plays Hide the Bulge in the library. <laughs> mm-hmm. The covers of romance novels as well. I would look at some oh. of those. Oh, God. Totally like men, though. What is one of the most non-porn things that I've ever, like, gotten? A- oh, Oh, Super Smash Brothers Melee, the characters of Roy and Marth, like from whatever game they were from. Oh. Those games, you could pause it and zoom in on your character, and they wore tights, so they they had bulges. Like, <laughs> oh bulges. And so I would get aroused looking, like pausing my Super Smash Brothers game to look at the bulges on these video game characters. <laughs> this is what religious oppression does yeah. to our vulnerable teenage gays. <laughs> very like, true. We're running around libraries looking at physique magazines and coming in change rooms after walking the underwear aisle. These are tragic stories. Oh my god. Oh my god. I'm so sorry, y'all. Because you don't have a good story? Do you have a good story for us? No, I mean, I, I I know where y'all are coming from. Like, 100%. Even, like, to this day, if I see, like, a nice-looking guy and the bulls is there, like, I'll look, you know. But, like... I like I had friends that would actually have like porn magazines and stuff like that and they would just like oh, give them wow. to me. I mean I got caught but like <laughs> wait they were women magazines though right no it was literally like porn magazines like fucking between men and oh. women on there yeah yeah it was literally that and like Spoiler. my dumb ass hit it underneath my bed in oh. a shoebox <laughs> with all my like action figures on top of it and my <laughs> my grandfather put me to the side he was like yeah so your mother uh, filmed this and you know <gasps> your grandfather yeah because she couldn't talk to me so she's like i'm a you know find wait did a- you have a father to talk to you <laughs> no <laughs> so it was oh. my grandfather yeah my father was in my life but my philly style but anyway my, i was it was fine i would rather him than her so oh, yeah 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 so, well what did you say i like dick that's why I was looking well, at it was, it was a straight one, so I got away with oh, it. Yeah, okay. it wasn't a gay bag. So. I have one to be you. I have one to be you. So I used to keep a washcloth. I had a trundle bed. I had like my, my, my little twin bed and the trundle bed under it. And I would keep my wash washcloth, aka cum rag, under the mattress of the trundle bed. <laughs> and I found out when I was in my 20s that my mother found yeah, that your rag. mom knew um, oh she knew she and my dad told me and i was like dad i really wish you wouldn't have told me that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i'm willing to bet your mom wish she hadn't more yes <laughs> oh my god so she had to have that conversation with him well it's it's <laughs> like uh well it's in bridesmaids when wendy mcclennan clovey is like i cracked a blanket in half <laughs> <laughs> I would also like to state for the record that every time we overshare on this podcast, an angel gets its wings. So congratulations to the 500 new angels as a result of this episode. (laughs) Anyway, that's it. Back to the movie. 
So Ray is dead, and <laughs> this is where we start to get Perez putting the pieces together. She goes back to Ruby. She gets the skinny on Ray. Apparently, he was fucking some girl in the glades. He ended up killing Davy because Davy was jealous or looking out. No, for her. no, 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 no. Because Davy walked in on Ray slapping this girl around because it's implied mm-hmm. that she was a sex worker, not just a girl. Right. Okay. And so yeah, he walked in on her, uh, Ray slapping him around, and killed the kid. But Susie saw this, which is why he got he busted her and sent her to the correctional facility for six months. Yeah. So that's why they had such a negative relationship to one another, mm-hmm. and also presumably why Susie, in part, set this plan in motion. Yeah. So uh, we go back to the boat, and this is where Susie poisons Sam's drink, and then she knocks him overboard. I do love the point of view shot of the piece of the sailboat hitting him in the face. Oh, yeah, it's great. So we go to black, and then we come back to the glades. This is when, folks, if you have not watched this extended cut, this is the weird (laughs) revelatory moment. So Perez learns that Susie is actually Sandra Van Ryan's half-sister, and therefore she is Kelly's aunt. This like it changes a Ooh. lot of things about the relationship. It's an incest movie. Yeah, like oh I okay. I had thought I had seen this unrated cut before, but I have never seen this scene before, mm-hmm. and I don't know if I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, question: Did yeah. does Susie and do do they know this? Well, that's the question. I think we're led to believe that Ruby has not told Susie about the nature of her relationship because Perez at one point says like, oh, so you're not even related to her. And Ruby says, well, I've raised her like she was my granddaughter. Yeah, but I think that Susie is smart enough where she would have figured this shit out. Yeah. Ugh. Which means she willingly went along with incest so that she could get all of this money and a 60 foot sailboat. I mean, she put a lot of time into this plan, I guess. <laughs> I guess, but but but, but that, that that's why I asked earlier. Is like, do you think that Susie actually cares about Kelly? Because whenever Sam is, whenever Susie's about to kill Duquette, right, Sam is like, "Sorry, man, you shouldn't have killed Kelly and that other mm. kid. What was his name? Davy." So it's a thing where I'm like, I wonder, I wonder if Susie did care about Kelly because it does not seem like Duquette killing Kelly was part of the plan. Oh no, mm. I don't think so. Ray is a loose cannon, and he started to go off on his own, so he was probably always going to die. But I guess Kelly doesn't know that Susie was in on the plan with Sam, so as far as Susie is aware, Kelly was okay killing her with Sam. I mean, she was a bit of a stupid bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Also, Ray, how stupid can you be? This man has double-crossed how many people, and you Mm -hmm. are just listening to him on his boat do all these things? That's why I think, though, them being in a gay relationship would make the film better, because it's like, yeah, that's why he would believe that. Mm. Yeah. Also, I I feel like, not to double back or anything, Mm. but... Just talking about that shower scene, the way that they are so casual, like when Sam walks in and Ray's just in the shower, this is not a public change room where you might expect nudity. It's like you have discovered another man in your cabana showering. He is dong out and you're just having a conversation like you have a towel. That implies a level of intimacy that Mm -hmm. 
it it's either like these men are so comfortable with one another or they have been fucking because normally when you watch movies like this if somebody was to be surprised and they're supposed to be straight like one of the well uh sam would probably be covering his face or like oh damn man come on like right. i don't want to yeah, see like, that put that dick away, yeah, put put that away. but no like he was just like oh here's a tone just like they were just casually having a conversation like this is the norm so yeah. I, I, I i agree <laughs> I think I need to see this with a straight man or a few to see how yes. they react mm. to that scene. Because I do feel like they do things that they don't really find homoerotic, but oh, I'm right. watching like, um... <laughs> but but, but that, that's what thing. I was... I was going to comment on that, too, because, yeah, I mean, like, look at any, like, fucking sports team. They're around each other naked in the showers mm-hmm. all the time, and they're casual. No, but that's, like, a camaraderie thing. Like, but they grab each that's other's That's like slapping each other's asses. Them. Like, yeah. that's, that's about team bonding. Hashtag like, no homo. To, yeah. no. This, this to me like the straightest reading that i could give this is that he mistook kevin bacon's dick for like a, <laughs> like a, a shower peg or something where a he's shower like, I'll just put the towel on it <laughs> let me just bend over really quick <laughs> <laughs> he didn't eat all day so he's ready exactly yeah. he didn't go to boston market early <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so like the, the the last bit of this movie, I mean, I'm sorry, before we get to the end end of the movie, it's mm-hmm. just, yep, Perez learns that Susie's IQ is super high. She could do whatever the fuck she wanted. And then yep. we have this shot of Nev Campbell on the boat and then boom, cut mm-hmm. to the end. Yeah, because it's not just white dudes who can sail a sailboat. It's also white trash ladies in bad wigs. <laughs> I love that she played up to her strengths, which other people would assume are weaknesses. Like, they assume she's poor, so she doesn't mm-hmm. really have knowledge of how to sail a boat, which she lied right to his face yeah, immediately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, I, could, I can't kill you. I wouldn't be able to get to shore if I don't mm-hmm. know if I did that. And then <laughs> Look at her him, driving this damn boat. <laughs> and she also <laughs> knew she could use her uh, femininity in a way oh yeah and try to and kind of use that to her advantage but that's why i mean i I guess i i said Susie's the hero of the movie but i guess do y'all find her a sympathetic or empathetic character no i think it's fun when she's revealed to be the mastermind but Mm -hmm. i'm not like yeah Susie. but i guess but i guess i'm saying this because you could argue that she has been used and abused by a horrible system so she Hmm. i'm not saying she has a right to murder all these people but this this does reek of a good for her ending to me because i I think for good for her you have to also want to empathize with the woman and i do empathize with Susie, even though we don't see the abuse that she's endured the film implies enough of what she has been through in life and even though she's very smart doesn't discredit or discount all the horrible shit she's been through Mm, right true and she does only kill men <laughs> well, but, but, but again, then you can say, well, does that okay? That that sucks for her, but does that give her the right, or does it make it okay for her to murder all these people? My questions are boring. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I rooted for. I mean, I guess in a sense, I, just the fact that she was able to accomplish it, I could root for it. But I didn't really feel mm-hmm. like you got locked up six months ago. You're fine. I didn't really feel, and then she got money. But she was locked up because she witnessed a cop committing a crime. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> i mean this movie says a cap that's all we're saying maybe because it was introduced so late in the movie i it's not even like i had time to process that she yeah that was fake or, or framed her. well you watch her. this about 15 more times and you come back and you tell us what you think <laughs> yeah mike you've got nothing better to do watch this movie a dozen more times 
You don't have your own podcast to coordinate or anything. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll regroup in 15 years. <laughs> so that is the end of the film proper, and the credits begin to roll, and the music is doing its, you know, gator chic thing. <laughs> and then the movie continues because we have all these end credit scenes. So some of them are in the theatrical cut. A couple of them are additional ones, but we're going to run through them. So first one extended. We have Kelly coming on to Sam in a bar. He's surprised to see her. And she's like, Hey, I've got this baggie of Coke. Hello, new best friend. (laughs) (laughs) Would you like to go to the toilet so we can do said Coke and maybe Trace can grind cum into the floor? Uh, Well, he doesn't even go to the bathroom. She just like sticks her nail in this bag and gives it to him. He's like, yeah, sure. Might as well. (laughs) Like, at the bar it is very public yeah <laughs> yeah no one gives a shit well no because we're we're swamp trash area, yep. right like i had the name of the bar that he goes to earlier and it is like some kind of like fish dump emporium thing and you're just like oh, wow <laughs> rusty <Okay."> anchor <laughs> it's like even more lowbrow than that yeah <laughs> Okay, second scene. Susie visits Sam, and she presents him with blackmail photos of the previous time that he was out there fucking Kelly. And uh, Mm. she's like, yeah, I basically got you in a compromising position. You're going to do what I want. Yep. Mm -mm. So part of that is the third scene, which is her setting up Sam to make a new friend of Ray who is seen going into a different dive bar or maybe the same one. Who knows? But yeah, it's implied that the reason these two men would first come together is because Susie orchestrated it. Mm -hmm. The next one I think is the most inconsequential, but it does come back to what you mentioned, Trace, about how Susie and Kelly read the line differently. So we see Sam and Kelly fucking and she wants him to say that he loves her and he's like, say the fucking line right. So she's like, no man can make me come. I do agree that it's inconsequential. However, this is chronologically right. It's during the quote unquote rape scene in question. So at least we're seeing that they were fucking. It just wasn't rape, even though we knew that already. Right. Mm hmm. The next scene is Susie pulling out her own tooth when Ooh. Sam has what I call performance issues. Oh, I don't think I could do this to myself, y'all. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care how drunk I was. Like, Mm-mm. I could not pull myself out. It's like up. a saw trap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Even just the way she describes it, she's like, if you put too much pressure on it, you'll crush it. <laughs> also, <No>. it's like, <laughs> okay, so she, because by the end of the film, she has her teeth back. So she went to the dentist and got... <laughs> Her teeth <laughs> but did she make a fake identity for herself because she's dead so i'm thinking about it too much i mean she probably knows people and or she may even be able to do it herself but yeah i assume she just went out and got some veneers oh wait i'm sorry wait i'm sorry a veneer you, you, no she has an <laughs> implant a veneer is on top of an existing tooth oh yeah <laughs> she, she did the whole teeth like she just got them all done <laughs> Ugh. Pearly whites. Yeah, well, she needed that money to pay for all of that, so... Right? She was like, (laughs) aside from the boat and my fucking teeth and this fake identity for this bad hair bitch, I ain't got no money left. I'm gonna have to pull a con. She has like $500. She's like, yay, I made it big! Yay! Actually, secret ending to this movie. Then she meets up with Sigourney Weavers from Heartbreakers. And she's actually Jennifer Love Hewitt's sister. Oh my god. Uh, I need I need to go into Weaver to play another bitch role before she dies. Like seriously, oh my 
God, how dare you suggest she will ever die? She's in her 70s, man. You never know. She's in her 70s? Yeah. The worst thing is is that she's going to die making all these fucking Avatar movies, which I don't even mind, but it's like locking her up, and then she's maybe going to pass, and we're not going to get any other performances. But but, but she is genuinely one of the best parts of that Avatar sequel. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I I need her to bring back the character from Copycat for at least one more movie. Oh, my God. Copycat 2 copied again. (laughs) You were the worst with subtitles. I'm really bad at it. I'm on, it's on the fly, man. I got to think about this shit. <laughs> anyway, so we have like two more scenes. We got two more. Yeah. Uh, so the next one is where we actually get to see what happened between Ray and Kelly in their altercation. So we basically see that he just beats the shit out of her, kills her, and then he f- shoots himself in the arm. Mm-hmm. It's, I don't know. I don't want to say it's undignified. I will confess. I think that Kelly is my least favorite character of the four because she she just doesn't get to do as much as the other people. Yeah. But this is such an unglorified way to kill this character. I always feel terrible for Kelly. I I, I yeah. do too. And maybe again, I, I think Richard is really good in the role. But the problem is, yeah, that, that Kelly is the least not important part of this entire plan but she's the least involved she she knows the least out of this entire plan yeah she's in love with mr lombardo and she thinks that they're gonna like run away and be together and then everybody else has plans on plans on plans atop of that exactly oh my god it's like big brother there's the really strategic <laughs> people and then there are the people there just along for the ride and they like someone and then they just get taken out that's there exactly what it is <laughs> that's actually how Susie makes more money she just goes home to the TV and wins <laughs> so the final scene is actually the only scene that isn't a flashback of this end credit sequence it actually takes place in the present and it's uh, still on this island now she's vacationing Susie is and Ken arrives to drop off a briefcase full of money and he advises her to be good uh, good for her mm-hmm she did it. She got away with the money. Mm. She got it. But also, again, because to prove she's not a horrible person, she does leave a million dollars to Ruby and Walter. Right. So, you know, it's good. Mm. Sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all are horrible. She deserves this money. I, I don't want to think of anyone in this movie being likable just because I think it makes it better if I hate everybody. Well, I, I think is any person really likable in the real world? I who can oh, say? More boring questions. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that is wild things so mike and bobby as the guests of honor what are your final thoughts on wild things crazy ride definitely need to watch i'm gonna rewatch this i don't know when but i'll Today? definitely be Tomorrow? rewatching it <laughs> <laughs> at least once a year for the next 15 doable <laughs> I, I love a movie where i don't know what's going to happen and then I, about halfway through because i think well, let me just speak for myself. I thought I knew what was going on at first. Yeah. Right. And then it just threw me for a loop halfway through. So at that point, I was even more engaged. So I would say it's very entertaining. You should check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, just in regards to those end credit scenes, I appreciate the fact that this was like really quick, quickly showing me right. what actually happened versus like the Knives Out movies, which I do like. But half the movie is like, let's show you the other side of what happened <laughs> and take up an hour. Like, I, yeah. I just did all of that in like a few minutes. 
Right. Mike, I need you to watch a movie called I See You with Helen Hunt and let me know if you feel mm. the same way about that narrative trick. Okay. Also, it's a good movie. Good movie. But, but it's a movie <laughs> where the first half is showing you a movie, and then basically at the midday point, the movie rewinds and shows you the exact same movie from a different perspective. Okay. That's interesting. I'll add it to the list. Anyway. <laughs> but Bobby? <laughs> um, pretty much what Mike said. Like, again, even though I've seen this before, like, I forgot a lot of things and just watching this, like, now as, you know, an adult and just seeing how campy it is. It just, it was a fun ride. I do want to show this to other people just to see yeah. their um mm-hmm. <laughs> their perspective on it and their experience with this film um i'm gonna show my partner first because i feel like he would be into it so that's gonna be the first step but i was also telling mike that it kind of also remind me of clue <laughs> yeah no I just a little bit at the yeah. end but it wasn't as long like mike mentioned where you're like oh well this could have happened or this happened this way or this way actually happened like well, it that's three different that. endings <laughs> yeah true true <laughs> It was a bit much, even though I love Clue. Like, that's my movie, but still. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I love this movie, and I'm happy that we we're talking about it on here because I probably wasn't going to watch this movie, like, no time soon unless uh, we got invited. Or... Excuse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I will say this, though. Like, as somebody, Joe and I have both seen this movie, again, several times. This is a movie where every time I rewatch it, I love it even more because when you watch the puzzle at play and especially with the sc- the script and the director like, watching them play the audience is so mm-hmm. fun when you're already in on the joke yeah i imagine when i go back it'll be like watching the sixth sense for the second time mm-hmm. you're just picking up all the clues and i think the other thing is that this film it knows exactly what it is and it's so clearly having fun like we talked about some heavy issues that i think don't play quite as well because of the time that we live in right like this Mm. is not the late 90s we approach sexual assault a little bit differently even then i think it was a little bit glib it was doing it primarily for entertainment purposes but aside from that there's so much about this movie that is just like joyous and fucked up and campy and fun. And all of these performers are having a really good time with it. And I think that that really like, we feel that as an audience, when we're watching it, we're in on the fun and it's such a wild ride. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And I, I can't believe we went the entire episode without mentioning this, but the influence of wild things, because in the one season wonder Sarah Michelle Geller show ringer, <gasps> ringer, they flat out, pull a wild things by having sarah michelle geller's like stepdaughter accuse a teacher who is played by someone oh it's uh, it's it's logan from um veronica mars mm-hmm. her stepdaughter accusing him of rape when in fact it's literally a wild things where she's in cahoots with him they planned it all with one of the other girls and they have threesomes <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> i haven't seen ranger in so long i used to love that show i'm so mad it got canceled it's so good man. Yeah. it's so good but literally watching it my husband and i were watching it, we're like oh they're doing wild things mm-hmm. <laughs> and here's the thing we know that eric carmelo would have watched wild things so we know that he knows and that's why he's doing 100 percent mm. but anyway okay yes wild things amazing movie if you've made it through this entire podcast and haven't seen it Sorry, that sucks for you, but go watch Wild Things. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we announce what we're covering next week, uh, Mike and Bobby, let everyone know, where can they find you on social media? Um, you can find us on People Under the Scares podcast, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Make sure you rate us five stars. You know, you did. You know, we like to do a good job, so hopefully you guys love it. Um, Bobby Torres <laughs> with a Z, not an S on uh, Twitter, Instagram. 
Bobby Likes to Spook on YouTube. You can find Mike Beckery Banks 86 also on Instagram and Twitter. Um, yeah, people underscore scares on our Twitter as well. And Instagram, we talk a lot of shit. Have a good time. Talk hard. Yeah. That's where you can find us. <laughs> good Lord. I, I, it'll all be in the show notes, y'all. Yeah, it's all there. It's all there. We, we like to keep busy. I don't know what was more confusing. What you just said or Joe's, like, whatever, whatever that plot of Nev Campbell's book was. I was talking about French literature in which the word come would have been spelled C-O-M-E. Ah! <laughs> uh, well, if you want to get in touch with us, you can reach us on Twitter and Instagram at HorrorQueers. Shoot us an email at HorrorQueers at gmail.com. Find us on Letterboxd. Keep track of all the films we've covered. Uh, go to our YouTube channel for Horror Queers. Uh, if you want to chat with other listeners, please join our Facebook Horror Queers group. If you have a moment, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, much like Bobby and Mike, please give us five stars. That would really help us out. Uh, if you want even more content, please support the show by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash horrorqueers. This month, we've got episodes on The Outwaters, HBO's adaptation of The Last of Us, 65, and of course, Scream 6. And our audio commentary will be on The Stranger's Pray at night. Mm-hmm. But Joe, <gasps> yes. yes, I am so excited for next week. What are we covering <laughs> next week? All right. Well, March rolls on and we're going to shake things up. We're going to do a little creature feature trace. I haven't seen this movie in fucking forever. And I'm so excited. We're going to talk about Splinter. Yeah, everyone. So this is I feel like a lot of people don't know what this movie is. I actually saw this in theaters when I was in college. It was Ooh. got a very limited release and I heard about it. I was like, oh, I have to go see it. And imagine my delight and surprise when I found out we had a queer director on our hand for this mm-hmm. movie. So, yes, everyone go see out 2008's Splinter. I promise you, you are in for a treat. Yeah, the practical effects are fucking great. Real, real good. But until then, we can cross out wild things. Indeed. And cross out horror queers. 